This is Free Talk Live. You can dial in toll-free and take control of these airwaves here. 855-453, the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that are awaiting you there. Those other talk show hosts want to charge you for their sites. We do it free over at freetalklive.com. And here with you tonight, it's Ian. Allie. And Mark. All right. So once again, 855-450-FREE. Plenty of stuff to uh, talk about here tonight. And maybe we'll get to the TSA stories I've been teasing uh, for a couple days on this program. Well, we've actually got some school-related stories that are coming up as uh, as well. Some pretty outrageous stuff coming out of your local government. Well, what could be your local government school? Uh, these things can happen anywhere. Everything from booby bracelets being banned uh, to being pe- pepper sprayed for being late to class. That and more all on the way at 855-450-FREE. But uh, I guess rather than tease, continue to tease it, uh, let's point, put, a, put it out there because a woman has been... Vi- uh, videotaped naked at Denver International Airport. Okay. Did y'all hear about this one? Was she naked on her own volition? Y- yes, uh, apparently she was. And the news, according to Fox 31 in Denver, is that uh, she caused a stir Tuesday morning when she stripped naked inside Concourse B. The incident happened at about 8.45 in the morning when, according to the spokespeople for the airport, the woman was caught smoking a cigarette at the gate in a non-smoking area. Uh-oh. At some point after airport workers told her to extinguish the cigarette, the woman took off her clothing. <laughs> wow. Is there any point to that? I don't know. She wasn't at the security section. She was waiting for her plane. So she'd already gotten through uh, the TSA security checkpoint and was just at the at gate number 81, B81, and she just stripped down. Denver police say it was unrelated to the smoking issue. One witness who didn't want his name used said other passengers on the concourse did not find the strip tease amusing. Most were shocked, he told Vox 31 of Denver. No one really noticed her at first because people were trying to get to their planes. Then everyone realized she was just standing there completely naked. The whole incident played out over a span of about 20 minutes before authorities eventually transported the woman to a hospital. It's my theory that um, only about 5% of the population uh, is something that you want to see naked anyway. Is this? Does she enter the five percent or the ninety-five percent? I'd say she's probably in the ninety-five percent. Okay, it's it's hard to tell. It's grainy video. It's it's kind of far off from a distance. So. No, she should be arrested and carted away. That's a shame. You don't mean that, Mark. <laughs> that's so mean, Mark. Come on, you don't really. Mean that. I don't really want to see her naked. I can tell you that. Oh, so what? What's the big deal? I mean, does it really matter whether she's naked or she has her clothes on? I mean, putting clothes on an unattractive body isn't going to like necessarily make it a lot more attractive. You're still going to have to see someone who's unattractive. It's true, but it's it doesn't stand out in the same way. Wouldn't you agree? Well, that's because there's a stigma with nudity. Uh-huh. Right. I'm, I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, now, and it, somebody who's I'm sorry, Mark, somebody who decides to get naked in the airport for whatever reason, whether it's a protest or whatever, maybe they just want to have a little fun. Uh, that they should not be taken to a mental hospital. <laughs> I'm not certain that this story doesn't I, I I don't have all the facts as to whether or not this woman should be taken to a mental hospital. At this point, I'd say the jury's still out from what I've heard so far. However, if I ran a retail store and a uh, and a person wanted to come out, come in and hang out naked, and that person was not of the 5% that's worth looking at naked, I would probably expect to lose a certain amount of business because people would be like, "Ah, I'm uncomfortable." 
and they'd want to walk out. Sure. Well, I mean, as a as a store owner, you have the right to set whatever so, rules so, you want for your property. And, and certainly, some airports are uh, p- public domain, and I and I get the problems right. that come uh, that come inherent with uh, with public property. I mean, this woman's taxes probably go to pay, keep this airport open, so why shouldn't she be able to take her clothes off? I've heard it all before, but you know. It, it isn't uh, accepted, and it generally makes people uncomfortable. Now, I haven't seen an update on this story, and I did just – I looked for one quickly here. They don't reveal her name in the piece that uh, we were just sharing with you from the Denver uh, TV station. And there were a lot of th- – this kind of made it into you know the AP, and it made it into a bunch of different places. But it was only a few days ago. So nobody's followed up on this. We don't know if this woman's still being held in the hospital. Could be. We, we don't know what has happened to her. So all we know is that she's been taken away and taken to a hospital. It doesn't say which hospital. It doesn't say if it's a crazy hospital or what. What's even worse is if she was traveling, then she might be really far away from home where people could help her. That's a great point. Who knows what uh, what her personal status is because we don't even know what her name is. And if, if there is some news about this and I'm missing it, please uh, feel free to call in at 855-450-FREE. Maybe there's some local uh, news organizations in Denver or in the Denver area that are following this closer than some of the mainstream media might be. Because I, I, you know, I have to say I'm a little concerned for her. They do have these uh, laws in some places. In Florida, there's one called the Baker Act where basically anybody that uh, – they can essentially accuse you. Somebody can accuse you of being nuts or a danger to yourself or others, and they can lock you away. For three days. For three days in a crazy house or in the jail or something like that. It's, there's, they, you, don't even have to, you don't even have to prove it, as I understand it. It has to be done by a licensed psychiatrist, I believe. Really? Yes, um, because there was a case out on Longboat Key. I'm sure you – maybe you'll remember this one, where uh, a, a licensed psychiatrist lived on Longboat Key and didn't like her neighbor very much, so she had him make her act it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it, there's, the state certainly has licensed psychologists or psychiatrists working for their operations. So if a state shrink decides that you need to be Baker acted or whatever they call it, they have these different – they have different names for it in different states. But if they decide that you need to be locked away for your own good, supposedly, then they can just do that. And so somebody could very well have looked at this case, some state worker who's licensed, could have looked at this case and said, yep, this lady needs to uh, cool down in the crazy ward for three days. Yeah, it's definitely a misuse of the idea of having hospitals for people that aren't adapting well to their surroundings. But at the same time, I think it's frustrating when people think that because someone adapts their surroundings differently maybe they don't you know stigmas don't you know they don't get that they don't see anything wrong with being naked in this story and take their clothes off well then people assume that they're crazy because they're not following um social order well i don't know that it's definitely a um look i I don't think i have enough information as to know whether or not this woman is bat s insane right um and i i couldn't say so do you think that anybody should be locked up, that, that, that under no circumstance should a person who is uh, mentally ill, who has not yet harmed another individual, should be locked up? Uh, I mean, if it's like they're on someone's public or private property and they're asked to leave and they don't, then I could see justification for removing them from the property. What but- about threats? Threats? Well, threats are sort of an act of aggression. You don't have a right to threaten anything that you don't have a right to do. Okay. Um, and have you ever have you ever dealt with a person who seems a little unhinged? Oh, that, yeah. <laughs> that didn't uh, that didn't she actually the public that I didn't do. actually threaten you, but felt threatening. 
Um, I feel like it's sort of part of work. You know, if your job is to sort of watch over a store, you know, anything like that, if you're going to have to deal with potentially uh, mentally unstable people, you kind of have to learn how how to deal with them so that you're not escalating a situation so that they'll just go away and not, you know, make a big commotion. You don't want to, like, freak them out or accuse them of things. Um, you just have to use, like, kid gloves with some people, I guess. I do like what Ali's saying about it's all right to take somebody off of a property. I don't know if I agree with putting them in a cage unless they've actually harmed somebody. I think that's uh, that's the only time that that's ever justified. But there is an update. I did find an update on the woman at DIA. Uh, she And it's pretty much what the, uh, the original article said. The Denver police did not plan on charging her. And this is basically a follow-up saying, indeed, she is not going to face charges. Uh, but the really kind of a disturbing part of this is it turns out she was taken away to an unspecified hospital for psychiatric and other medical evaluations, according to the police. In addition to that... Uh, they say here that she was turned over to paramedics. It was not a police matter. This is a spokesman from the police department. It was a medical issue, he says. No information has been released, including her name, age, or flight destination, because of so-called medical privacy laws. So that's disturbing to me because, like you said, Allie, she's away from her – perhaps away from her family – Going home, maybe, or going on a business trip, or who knows? Who knows what happened? Her family may not recognize her from these uh, these photographs, relatively blurry uh, you know, snapshots of the video footage. Maybe nobody knows that she's in this mental hospital. Could be. They're not releasing her name. So what does that mean for somebody that is in a situation like this? How do they reach out to somebody that they, that cares about them, or how does someone reach out to them? You don't even know where to find her. It's free time. A technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want. Dial in toll-free at 855-450-FREE. The SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. Join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. There are a number of features that are awaiting you. You can go and enjoy them for free, including the bulletin board system. You can go and interact with other Free Talk Live listeners over at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. And... You can learn more about the Bitcoin over at WeUseCoins.org. If you haven't heard about the Bitcoin yet, you if you care about the idea of uh, alternative currencies, if you are interested in the future of currency, then you should look into this. It's really an amazing product. In fact, it's something that is offered not by a corporation, not by a government. It is money that was created by the open source movement. It is completely open source. It is completely decentralized. There's no way the government can take the Bitcoin down, and they hate it. The government people hate the Bitcoin because of that. It's a huge threat to their power structures, and you can go learn more about it at WeUseCoins.org. That's WeUseCoins.org. Plus, thanks to BitInstant.com, you can have Bitcoins in less than an hour by depositing cash at any major bank. Buy your Bitcoins with cash over at BitInstant.com. 
As we continue uh, with uh, some TSA-related news, before we get to some school outrages, 855-450-FREE is our number. We'll also take your calls about anything. Zach's on the line in Minnesota on the amp lines. Hello, Zach. Zach, I don't know if, uh, if we got a bad cell, uh, but it was kind of tough to hear you there. Go ahead again. Okay, uh, how about now? Much better. Okay, uh, just just uh, another one of my little scenarios for you. Um, so just the other day, I was going to take a friend of mine on a motorcycle ride, and I told her that one of my conditions for anyone that rides with me is to wear a helmet. Uh, she said she'd rather not, and I insisted. Knowing my viewpoints on government and everything else, uh, she playfully compared me to government and told me that it should be her choice and even mentioned how I passionately rallied against a proposed helmet law here in Minnesota very recently. And I just want to know, what, what do you think about that? Am I being the same as government or, Heck no. or am I right? <laughs> okay. Uh, Does the, <clears throat> I, did you want to go ahead, Allie? I was just going to say, I mean, private property changes everything as far as I'm concerned. Meaning so, it's his right. Yeah, if it's your so. bike and, and you're in control and you're going to be responsible for whatever happens when you two are on the bike, then, yeah, it's part of self-responsibility and you should be able to set the rules because you're responsible. The government should be able to force you to wear a helmet on any motorcycle that it pays for with money that it receives th- uh, th- without using coercion. Which, of course, is a fantasy world because that's just not the case when it comes to government. But you haven't coerced her. She doesn't have to uh, ride your motorcycle with uh, with you. And so it's a completely consensual activity on her part. And if she doesn't consent in advance to your relatively reasonable rules, then uh, then she can go and find a ride on the, you know, the happy bus. There's no in smoking town. in my cars. <laughs> OK. Um, yeah, I guess I, I guess I didn't expect it to be a long conversation, but I just wanted to get. Uh, get your guys' viewpoints on it, because that was, that was kind of the stance I took, and it was a very playful conversation. It, it wasn't a real debate at all. I just wanted to to uh, see what you guys would have to say about it. There Did you, you end up giving her a ride? Oh, yeah. We ended up going for a nice ride, and, and she wore one of my little half helmets. It was kind of a compromise. And uh, and, and you would be, it would be your insurance policy that would have to pay out if somebody were injured. And I wonder, does the insurance policy pay out for a motorcycle uh, person, you know, a rider who is not wearing a helmet? I, I... Uh, yeah, yes, in, in most cases they do. And I know in my case it would. Interesting. Uh, I can't speak for the whole country and all companies, but... I would suspect that insurance companies in states that uh, don't have mandatory helmet laws have to cover any accident because states come up with all kinds of rules that mandate how insurance companies do business. I would suspect that in the absence of those rules that you would have de facto helmet laws in the form of insurance companies saying, we're not going to pay out for anybody's not wearing a helmet. And I'll tell you what, you wear a half a helmet. We'll pay half. Because, um, <laughs> I mean, those half helmets, sorry. <laughs> Not much to those things. Thanks for the call, Zach. Appreciate hearing from you tonight at 855-450-FREE. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. In other TSA-related news, uh, the TSA out of our pants.wordpress.com has posted uh, – they've, by the way, posted in the past about how easy it is to take metal objects through the TSA body scanners undetected. They're right. And uh, I don't know if y'all have seen this uh, particular video, but it's fascinating. Essentially, what he talks about is that the body scanner technology that they have is designed to show, like if you've got a gun tucked in your, your front belt or something like that, or a knife strapped to your arm or whatever. It's designed to basically create a, a black image against a white body. 
So kind of a reverse looking. Does it do image. that? It it does do that. But what he pointed out was that if you were to let's say have your arms out at your sides, which you're supposed to do when you're in one of these machines, right? Or have your arms up or out at the sides or something like that. But if you've got your arms out and there's something like hanging underneath your arm and it's it's just against the air essentially, it's not a, up against your body. There's mm-hmm. no way this machine will detect it. Hmm. It's completely invisible to uh, to the machine. Am I explaining correctly? Yeah, I got you it. You understand? Okay. So, uh, but again, so, you used a uh, a visual for me here in the studio, so I'm not 100 yeah. percent sure. Um, now, um, I guess my if question is: if it's not is, contrasted against your body, then the machine won't see it. Does if that your make arms sense? are perpendicular to your body, and then whatever it is that's hanging is perpendicular to your arm, it's hanging parallel to your mm-hmm. body. Would the machine not be able to say see it from a side view um, coming in? I don't know if they have a side view. That's I don't a good either. Question. But anyway, he seemed to be uh, pretty um, sure that this was a, a way to beat the This thing that I scanners. went through had the uh, seemed to go, like move almost 180 degrees around my body. Hmm. Well, he says, in my last video, I demonstrated how easy it is to take a metal object through TSA nude body scanners undetected. In this video, I interviewed an actual TSA screener to hear more about how these machines are an epic fail. Jennifer, who asked me not to use her real name or face, has been I'll on bet. the front lines of the TSA's checkpoints for the last four years. He goes on to uh, point out that uh, he's – let's see. In the video, he says that uh, – now – apologize here. says, I showed the world it's trivial to beat the TSA's nude body scanners, and all it takes is simply strapping a metal object to your side. I refer to the program as a giant fraud and chose those words carefully. It was not an oversight, but rather the TSA knowingly imposed these virtual strip searches on us despite the fact that they don't work. Now, how can I be so sure the TSA knew the scanners were broken? Well, in the first video, I referred to other countries who take aviation security more seriously and had rejected the scanners years ago. Over the last year, we've also seen almost the entirety of Europe has backtracked on the body scanners, and there have been dozens of research studies that have shown vulnerabilities in the technology, of which the TSA must surely be aware. But most importantly, I know because TSA employees have told me so. In the last year and a half since I filed my lawsuit against the scanners and the groping, I received hundreds of emails and thousands of comments on my blog, and some from actual TSA employees who've seen the scanners fail firsthand. One of them was nice enough to sit down for an interview with me, and, uh, and he mentions that it's, uh, it's Jennifer. And he says to her that uh, were there specific times where this machine didn't work for either someone testing it or a passenger went through and it was determined that they went through with metal objects? And she says, absolutely, yes. Metal or non-metal, big or small, uh, things like wallets, for instance. Uh, you said, so you'd send someone through the scanner and you'd see a bulge in their pocket, but the scanner would show nothing. And she says, yes. Really? Uh, things during training, she says, absolutely. What would you test it with that you were when you were testing the machine? She said there were different props, guns, knives, bags of powder that were supposed to resemble explosive material. Sometimes these would just go through completely undetected, he asks, and she says, absolutely. 855-450-FREE, the SACL CAI toll-free line. So is it all about a big contract for a company? Are you looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear? ManVentureOutpost.com carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, fish finders, and boating equipment from manufacturers like Aimpoint, Bushnell, Otterbox, Crimson Trace, K-Bar, Remington, Streamlight, Winchester, and more. ManVentureOutpost.com. Family-owned and members of the Better Business Bureau. Prices so low, some can't be advertised. Get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com.
This is Free Talk Live. Dial in, bring up anything you want, 855-453-FREE. That's toll-free number, 1-855-450-3733, and it's brought to you by SACL CAI. You can join us over on our website at freetalklive.com, where there are a number of features that await you. The features there include the mobile site. For those of you with a smartphone, visit m, as in mobile.freetalklive.com. You'll get quick access to our live streams and podcast, as well as the software that you'll need to listen in over at m.freetalklive.com. If you're looking to pick up some precious metals, either gold or silver, you can do it at gold.freetalklive.com. We've teamed up with Midas, excuse me, teamed up with Midas Resources. Uh, they are a parent company to the company that hosts uh, Free Talk Live out on the uh, satellite and I've done a lot of business with them. I've bought a lot of precious metals from uh, Midas Resources, and I, I can assure you, you can trust them to uh, provide you some of the best prices that you'll be able to find on the Internet and get to, get it to you fast and easy. Uh, they, they took care of everything. You can go to gold.freetalklive.com, and when you buy gold from gold.freetalklive.com, you help Free Talk Live. It's gold.freetalklive.com. All right, so once again, toll-free number here is 855-450-FREE. We are sharing with you an interview of a TSA agent uh, that is conducted by TSA out of our pants.wordpress.com. And the agent did not want to be revealed. Uh, the, her face had to be blurred out from the video. And I'm sharing with you some of the transcript of the video posted here on this piece where the interviewer, uh, John, is asking her, and we're going to call her Jennifer for the purposes of discussion, but uh, Jennifer is being asked about how these scanners have huge security holes. It's just part of the way they work. They're designed, according to him, to uh, to show things in contrast against your body. So if there's an object that is up against your body, like in a belt, you know, in, in your belt in the front of your pants or something like that, it's going to show it very clearly. You know, uh, but- the TSA tested itself, uh, its own red team tested itself um, in Dallas International Airport with a Glock, and five out of five times they missed it. I'm not entirely sure that something that's up against your body is necessarily going to show up on that scanner. Well, that's the way it's supposed to work, at least. Just because they, they missed it doesn't mean they were uh, paying attention well, or who knows what was going on. And that uh, picture that uh, we were all shown of the, the body, was an, uh, the body with the light, light blue body with a dark gun. And, yeah, uh, that was not the uh, real scan, It was an right? artist's rendition of what this looks like as opposed right. to real life. It seems like it's um, not really an effective way to – definitely not an effective way to counter terrorism, but that also it's left up too, in, too much to interpretation because if you're just reading folds in the – like, I don't know. I've seen some of these scans, but they're, none of those are real. The ones like online, no one – there hasn't I, been any I real hear that's, I, So I hear. I, you know, I, I couldn't say. I am not an expert in this area, but that's what I've read. Well, the – Back when these this technology was really being pushed, there was a particular scan of a, a what was appeared to be a scan of a lady who was you know had a very nice body, uh, yes, like a blonde haired woman or whatever. Going to put up an ugly, uh, ugly fat dude, right? And so they they showed that, and that was the one that was manufactured, as I understand it. There That's may the actually be real scans that you can find out there if you if you just look for them. Uh, but anyway, we go on here with what uh, his interview was with the the TSA agent. She's already admitted that there's a number of things that they would test and that it would just go through completely undetected. He goes on to say that if it wasn't scary enough, the TSA deployed these machines knowing they could take simulated bombs right through them. Jennifer tells me they were forcing screeners to run these radiation machines who hadn't, according to the TSA's own policies, been properly trained. He says they tried to send you to the machines and you said, hold on, I'm not certified to them. She said, that's correct. And then in December, I guess you tried the same thing, and they said, too bad. 
she says that we were forced to work on these machines. So basically, there were so few of us that were actually trained to work on the machines, they essentially forced us to do so. And he asks, well, so they didn't care if you were certified or not? And she says, no, I actually went to my supervisor uh, the first day. And another officer and myself had this concern that, you know, look, we've never worked on this particular machine. We don't know what to do. And his answer was, sorry, we don't have enough staffing. You're going to have to work on it. <laughs> look at stuff. Yeah. She said, uh, according to according to her, whether she was certified or not, she was told to just get on the machine and have your coworkers help you. After Jennifer was repeatedly ignored when she brought these issues up with management, she contacted her representatives in Congress for assistance, after which the TSA promptly began the process of firing her. A process, by the way, which took the TSA three months, during which Jennifer was forced to sit around on the taxpayer's dime and do absolutely nothing. Wow. Fortunately, Jennifer turns in her uniform today. She said uh, that, uh, according to her, she sent her a letter in on January 1st and came back from a sick leave about a week later and was immediately removed from screening duties. So all it took for her to get fired from the TSA was to go and become a whistleblower, essentially, on what they were up to. Yeah, the Obama administration, uh, you know, Obama ran on the idea that we're going to have transparency in government, and he has been the most voracious since him since he got in office. The, the government has been the most voracious it's ever been against whistleblowers. According to the story here, there's one more uh, outrage, and every time another TSA employee is arrested, we're up to at least 60 in the last 12 months, the TSA spouts off on their blog about the professionalism of their employees. Just as when they're caught on video molesting children at airports, they defend their employees' fondlings as by the book, and that book being what they call the Screening Checkpoint Standard Operating Procedures, or SOP. Now the SOP. I've got to say that the TSA is pretty good when it comes to being on the internet and and responding to news and stuff like that. Most government agencies don't make any response at all or make any attempt, but the TSA really is on the ball when it comes to that. Is it because like they're so involved in so many people's lives? Is that why know. they're more responsive? I wonder. Yeah, why do they care about what people think about? Because them? they're about to get. Uh, I mean, because politicians are out after them. The TO, uh, the SOP, sta- Standard Operating Procedures, is the TSA's secret guide as to how TSA employees are supposed to do screening at airports. The only problem is TSA employees never actually read the book. According to Jennifer, supposedly she says there's an SOP manual at every checkpoint. I've never seen it. Hmm. Now, I how wonder, many jobs are just going to let you on the sales floor or wherever it is we're talking about, whatever without job, without actually going through the, I don't know, a training guide or manual or of some sort? I find it very disturbing. Uh, you know, I've, I've thought about this whole idea of hiring another salesperson to do Free Talk Live, but I've got to say my biggest concern in that area is how is he going to represent, he or she, um, how, is, uh, how are they going to represent uh, Free Talk Live? That's what my concern is. How are they going to re- represent me? So cl- apparently the TSA has no concern in that area. Nope. In fact, she says she doesn't know where she would even go to find the book. And he asks now, her. Now, there's she- some activism, by the way. Bring a camera up to a TSA checkpoint and ask the uh, TSA supervisor where the standard operating procedure oh, book is. That would be is. funny. The only, the only problem with that kind of activism is just as some random viewer, unless they explain it outright, that they're supposed to have this manual. Well, you'd put that up a, ahead of time, yeah. you know, with the, with the TSA emblem above it. All TSA checkpoints, according to rules, sec- such right. and such so and so, says that uh, TSA agents should, uh, that the, the TSA checkpoints should all have a standard operating procedure. And then you 
pan to the video where uh, you know some guys saying, uh, "So excuse me, so where is the standard operating procedure manual?" And the TSA agent says, "Get out of here! Right, we can't tell you that. Just shut up." They'll probably just push you off cops. to the side and say, "We'll deal with you later." And then hours later, they come back. Here it is. I don't think they would. I don't know. It would be interesting to see what would happen uh, with that one because they probably wouldn't. I mean, you would think the procedures should be public. Wouldn't you, th- wouldn't you think that would be like a transparency of government thing, like that they should let those procedures out so people can scrutinize them and, and review them? I think you'd be best off if you were going to do that to uh, en- enroll one of the cops in the airport f- in your in your adventure first. Hey, you know, this little rule says they're supposed to have that over there. Want to go check and see if they've got it? Find, you mean find a cop that doesn't like the TSA? Uh, well, it's you know they tend to have disdain for they them. They do, but at the same time, the government employees tend to flock together. Yeah, so you've got this uh, th- this issue. So the final question that he asks her, uh, this is the TSA employee Jennifer, is, did you read the standard operating procedure uh, manual at any point? She says, "You mean initially?" And he says, "Did you ever read the SOP from cover to cover?" And she says, "Oh no, no, I've never read no." <laughs> so yeah there you go a little bit of inside information from somebody that works uh ostensibly here for the tsa and was fired for outing them on some of their just absolutely ludicrous lack of training and failures of the body scanners etc that she experienced while she was there 855-450-FREE the SACL cai toll free line and of course the author of this particular article recommends opting out of anyone that is uh, you know trying to be putting you through a body scanner just refuse to do that 855-450-FREE the SACL cai toll free line and, and make sure that everybody around you notices as well we're coming up this is free talk live Here on Free Talk Live, we've been pretty excited about the Bitcoin. It's a decentralized, free market digital currency. You can learn more about it at weusecoins.com. But if you already have some Bitcoins and you'd like to spend them, you can spend them at spendbitcoins.com. When you spend Bitcoins on Amazon via spendbitcoins.com, Free Talk Live gets a cut. Or if you're an Australian trying to figure out how to buy Bitcoins, you can buy them with cash at au.spendbitcoins.com. Once again, that's spendbitcoins.com. This is Free Talk Live. The toll-free number here is 855-453. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Join us on our website over at freetalklive.com where you can enjoy the features completely free. Once again, freetalklive.com. Lots of stuff there. If you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, you can go to promote.freetalklive.com. And that's where you'll find stuff like free bumper stickers and... The uh, web graphics that we have for banners and such you can add to your website. In addition, high-res uh, logos and things that you can use to, I don't know, make T-shirts or whatever it is you want to do. You can use our logo. It's not a problem. Uh, we, don't, uh, we don't believe in the whole intellectual property thing. So you go ahead. Certainly not going to go after our listeners for yeah. making uh, T-shirts and stuff. Yeah, I heard some about a radio station that sued their, uh, like threatened their listeners with cease and desist order for uh, writing advertisers to show their concern over the uh, canceling of a morning show. Which is crazy. I mean, now a cease and desist order is just basically a threat from a lawyer, right? Yeah. Like scary as piece of paper. It can be scary, but in this situation, do you think that that they had any legal leg to no, stand on? Not at the least. It's outrageous. Like so, they didn't like that. They basically changed the format of a radio station, essentially, and they got right. all uppity about it. They hold on. Who's they? 
Well, I'm sorry. The uh, the listeners didn't like it, and the station got uppity about the fact that the listeners uh, didn't like it. Uh, well, you know, I mean, I can tell you that, uh, that the, certainly advertisers are the bread and butter, and I can see why a station would not want listeners who have a negative feeling about their programming changing, uh, you know, having some kind of... Yeah, but you don't get to threaten legal nope. uh, consequences sure against your listeners Absolutely. complaining about something you did on your radio station. First Amendment right. Those people have the right to, uh, you know, contact those advertisers. Now, there could be, uh, you know, they could ostensibly threat, kind of cross the line into threatening or, you know, harassment. There are laws that essentially say if you make a bunch of phone calls to somebody over and over again and they've told you, hey, buddy, uh, don't call me anymore. You know, once they've told you to not call anymore and you continue to call, then that falls under harassment right. uh, at that point. But the radio station doesn't get to threaten somebody because they've called on a an advertiser unless the person is harassing the advertisers. That would be a different story. But that wasn't alleged. Nope. You nope. would think they'd want the market feedback. I mean, if people are not going to be watching your program anymore and they're telling you exactly why, then you should value that information. To some extent, um, radio stations exist. Some radio stations exist in the world where um, we tell you what to listen to. We're the radio station right. after all. Yeah, and very top-down kind of marketing. And it's just not that way anymore. I mean, if The, the people, news authority. If, if people don't go to the radio station across town, they're going to go someplace else for their news and information. Right. So the idea that they think they can behave in this way is absolutely outrageous. Anyway, we were talking about promote.freetalklive.com. That's where you can go to help promote Free Talk Live and also help us get on other uh, radio stations around the country. So your thoughts are certainly welcome on that or anything that might happen to be on your mind, whether it's a TSA story or whatever's 855-450-FREE, toll-free number one 855 Four five zero three seven three three. But one of the reasons why the radio business is that way, Mark, like you were saying, this kind of we tell you what's important. We're the weather authority. It's a generalization, but yeah, no, it's, it certainly is a generalization. Some stations have, I think, uh, really good taglines and positioners and, and monikers, so to speak. Right. I like uh, WWRL in New York City, our, one of our newest stations. They are the station that listens, which I think that's a cool you know, kind of listener-centric uh, viewpoint. Certainly a better name than the News Authority. Right. Or like there's another one. Uh, yeah, let's see. I'm trying to remember what the other one is. I think it's WAVH in Mobile, Alabama, which uh, basically is, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, I'm probably going to butcher it, but something like, you know, we turn you up to 11 or something like that. It's, it's you know, real kind of you-centric uh, radio station, which, you know, even though it's still just... you. Talk show hosts blathering out the speakers. At least well, they're what coming else can from, it be? Right. <laughs> at least they'll take your calls if right. you call in. Yeah, and at least it's coming from that perspective. And I know that their local morning show is more of an open phones uh, morning show, so they do try to adhere to that when they possibly can. So yeah, some stations are run differently, but one of the reasons why there is that kind of a demeanor is because of the very restricted marketplace that is the business of radio. I mean, it's incredibly regulated, like really controlled. You have to have the federal government's permission to get into the business unless you want to risk them coming into your home and uh, stealing all of your stuff, as they will do uh, with uh, FCC pirate. You know, they're going to raid uh, pirate radio stations or, or micro stations or community stations. If you don't have a license, you r- run the risk of having armed men come into your home and, and take your stuff. And so, therefore, not very many people are willing to take that risk. Not very many people are willing to put a transmitter on the air without having the government's permission because they're scared. Of course. And it's a shame because radio is so effective as far as, you know, getting a getting a message out. It's very valuable to have a radio transmitter online. 
But unfortunately, because of all the uh, FCC regulations, they severely limit the marketplace. And even if you did have the money with which that you would need to jump through their rules and regulations to pay the application fee, hopefully be approved for the application and then go through whatever engineering processes and all the other varieties of fees and paperwork that need to be filed and sent into the FCC. Even if you had the financial wherewithal to go about that process, you may not ever get past the word go because the FCC may not even have a window of application open. So you may want to create a radio station for yourself and have all the lawyers in line and have everything in line, and then the FCC will just tell you, yeah, well, we're just not handing out any FCC uh, licenses this uh, this year. How do you imagine radio would be different <laughs> if there weren't so if there weren't regulations on it at all? Well, think of, I mean, it would be it would be incredibly competitive. Uh, there would be anybody who wanted to could put a transmitter on the air, so long as they're being a good neighbor to other stations and not stepping on another station. Yeah, I think you would have to put there'd have to be some kind of understanding around the homesteading of uh, of particular you know pieces of the of the the spectrum. Um, well, and and case law and the industry can come up with those standards on their own. I don't think we need the FCC around for that. Although ostensibly that's what they were created for in the first place, and like any government bureaucracy, they got bigger and more intrusive and and more controlling and more expensive uh, over time. But because we have this high regulation, means there's a small amount of choices. If we didn't have the regulation, then anyone with a few thousand bucks could enter the radio game. I mean, really, a few thousand dollars, you'd have a decent station. All you have to do is have the money for the transmitter and the equipment to create the audio that goes into the transmitter. Right. It's not I mean, complicated. If you, ask, if you ask yourself, I mean, how – why is it that someplace uh, – you know, I mean, I, under, I get it in New York City and some of the major metros and things like that. When you're talking about top 50 metros, um, their dial is usually pretty full up, at least the top 20 metros. But when you're talking about so much of the country, the vast majority of the country, you're talking about you know, the dial's wide open. Mm-hmm. Wide open. People could uh, put up transmitters for all sorts of sections of the dial. And why? Why does the FCC, why wouldn't they approve that? Well, you know, I mean, if I just sent in and said, I want to open up 1450 AM in Keene, New Hampshire, why wouldn't they just go ahead and approve that? Because 1450 is at 1,000 watts all across the United States. There's 1450s everywhere. You know, maybe you've got to get some kind of engineering survey to make sure that it's safe. But I don't. I think with enough competi- with enough uh, you know demand for that, the the prices would probably come down. It wouldn't be that big of a deal. Why wouldn't the FCC just uh, make that easy? Well, the reason is they're protecting other people's licenses. Oh, you've got this number of AMs in your crappy little market or non-market or whatever it is, so we're not going to let you get any more. All right, we've got to protect the existing companies that have already paid us for the, protect, the service of protection, which is essentially what they're doing. So does that answer your question? There would be more choices on the dial. Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like there's not enough choices just on like the regular car radio. I feel like I have to go through four country stations before I get to anything I can listen right. to. And so you you would have more niche uh, or niche uh, radio stations where somebody wanted to put Jamaican music on could do that. Someone wants to air classical music, they could do that. And because it wouldn't have the, the same crazy overhead as the, your average commercial station does, they wouldn't have you know this uh, desire to appeal to as wide of an audience as possible. So we have this kind of mass market sounding yeah. radio station the with the same share song over and over, over again, again or the same Led Zeppelin or whatever. Uh, the same – literally, you say 25, Mark, but some – Station catalogs are as small as 150, 180 songs. I sure. Mean, so it's not it's really and, not a lot of music. And that's uh, that's like all the songs. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of them that they. You know, when you're talking about those pop, those uh, AC stations, the the pop stations, 
Yeah, they're playing the same songs every single hour. For oh, when I was in the radio, uh, when I was not radio, but I was in look in jail and I was doing the morning shift in the the kitchen, I could count on certain songs to uh, to air. Like I knew that I was going to hear the latest Katy Perry song, and I knew I was going to hear uh, you know there, there was just a few of them that are on the what they call the A rotation right. that just keep on coming around every two, three, four hours. They'll they'll play it, <laughs> and so <laughs> they these, must do it for a reason. These stations have so much debt because they're just. It's so expensive to start a radio station that they feel like they have to appeal to the lowest common denominator, that they have to appeal to the widest uh, possible audience. And there's no way some commercial radio station operator is going to go get on the air in any market and start playing Calypso music. It's just not going to happen. But the, uh, the private operator, somebody who just loves Calypso music could put together whatever money that he needed to to get the transmitter and put you know an automation system together on a computer I mean, we're talking of hundreds to a few thousand bucks and he could be on the air it would be, it would be as easy as the time and the, the little bit of money that it takes to get all the equipment together 855-450-FREE SACL CAI toll free line but then people could air anti-government views and you know pro-freedom views and that would be very detrimental to the state so they I can't like have that, that. I am so excited about Porkfest this year. Porkfest? What's that? It's the Porcupine Freedom Festival, a fun and educational camping event put on every summer by the Free State Project. This year it's going to be happening June 18th to the 24th at Rogers Campground in Lancaster, New Hampshire. Okay, I like camping and I definitely like freedom, but my budget is tight. Tickets are only $30 for the whole week if you get them before May 1st. Well, that sounds reasonable, but what goes on there? <laughs> what doesn't go on at Porkfest? There are speakers, family fun, dance parties, karaoke, a comedy roast, hiking, campfires, sports, a wedding, and all kinds of delicious food. But the part that I like best is spending time with other people who love freedom. Mm, that's sounding pretty good to me. Where can I go to learn more? Check out Porkfest.com and make sure you spell pork like a porcupine. P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. Like what you see? It looks like a blast. Okay, I'm in. See you at Porkfest. While you're there, check out how you can become a VIP, very important porcupine, for a modest donation. See you at Porkfest. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into the second hour of the program. You are invited to take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free. The number for you, 855-453-SACL-CAI toll-free line, one 450 3733 Join us on our website over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that await you there. Freetalklive.com. Here tonight, it's Ian. Allie. And Mark. Allie's here with us courtesy of her show, Ladies in Keen, which you can listen to over at ladiesinkeen.com. That's K-E-E-N-E, as in Keene, New Hampshire. Ladiesinkeen.com. It's a weekly radio program you guys produce on Sunday mornings live, but it's also available via podcast. That's right. At ladiesinkeen.com. Plus, there's uh, essays and uh, opinion pieces and such over at ladiesinkeen.com. There's one that uh, we might get a chance to share tonight by your co-host Kate uh, about uh, a recent killing on the the, the police uh, of the police, a police chief being shot to death on a, a drug raid that he was participating on. On his final week of being a police officer, he was about to retire, and now he's dead. Really Uh, unfortunate story. So, yeah, we can talk more about that here in a little bit. But I also said that we had some school-related news, some uh, outrageous stories from various different government schools around this country. And, Allie, you were going to start 
with uh, some, I guess, students who were pepper sprayed for being late to class. Yeah, in a junior high school in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, three students were hospitalized and 17 students were sent home early because of this school resource officer who used his pepper spray to get students to get to class on time. Boy, oh boy. Uh, Faith Forney, a student at the school who claims to witness the school resource officer use this pepper spray, she said, not knowing he was going to spray it, I walked straight into it. Oh, man. Uh, Everyone started hollering, and we had people just gagging and throwing up and everything, and I'm like, what's going on? The superintendent, Jerry... Welcome to freedom. Yeah. Superintendent Jerry Payne confirmed a school resource officer did spray, and he said he did it for to force the students inside classrooms. Payne said the students took too long to get to class, so the officer pointed the spray towards the ground, not at students. Oh, really? Even though it hospitalized three of them and 17 went home. Wow. Is the principal defending this behavior? It sounds like it. I mean, it sure sounds like it. It's not a direct quote, but it says he said that this is, you know, this is the reason why I used it and apparently something about pointing at the ground, not at students. They I don't weren't know. moving fast enough and don't worry, we just pointed it at the ground. Kids, there's important education going on in there. I mean, does anybody <laughs> know what this stuff smells like when it's deployed? If you walked through this, the whole classroom you go to is going to need to be evacuated. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what this guy was thinking. <laughs> Better you go to the hospital than actually be five minutes late. <laughs> I don't know. I always get the impression that schools are just so paranoid about, you know, I don't know what they're actually paranoid about, but they always claim it's student safety. And then, you know, and the bells, which are supposed to serve as reminders of when to leave and when to get to class. Like in prison. They become like stringent and, oh, any student that's, you know, walking around after the bell rings, there's something wrong with them. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, and that's what they do in prison, right? They do. It's by bells, correct? Yeah, they have uh, different tones, that kind of thing. Yeah. Sure. Train you <laughs> by bells. Yeah. So uh, you said you don't know what he was thinking, Mark. Well, uh, well, let's put ourselves in the mind of a cop. He's got himself a weapon, and he knows he can't really shoot people too easily on the school campus. So you know he's going to use this pepper spray, and he'll be able to get away with spraying some kids if uh, you know he just has a reason to. That's all he has. You just have to have an excuse. Is this guy going to be the school resource officer next week? They're having a hearing, apparently. The story was published a week ago, and uh, it said in the story next week that they're going to have some sort of meeting to discuss what should be done with this resource officer. Yeah, that guy needs to go. There can't uh, have been much thinking going on, right? Like, I mean, it's just was all this guy anger. trying to not be the school resource officer anymore? Like, I've had it with these kids. I'm out of here. Uh, I, I, you know, I mean, this is, this is such, incredib- <laughs> it's, it's such incredibly bad judgment. I just don't know what to say about it. I'm, I'm surprised we're not stunned. hearing about this happening more often. There was a video, remember the guy called in, last, I think it was last week, and he said there was this video of some guys that uh, one of them sort of intervened with the police, was trying to pepper spray his friend, and he kind of put his hand out and sort of blocked the police. Do you remember that call coming in? Yes. Uh, so I watched that video. It was, sent, it was sent to me. The link was, I think maybe it was posted to the Facebook or something like that. And I watched the video, and what was happening was these guys were just kind of goofing around outside of Walmart. They had a video camera, and they were recording things outside of Walmart. And at one point, this cop standing out in front of the Walmart says something to them like, Hey, don't be pointing that camera at me or something like that. And they, uh-huh. weren't, they weren't really even filming him. I mean, they were fa- a fair distance away. They were just shooting the front of the Walmart. And the, you know they happened to catch him in the frame. Basically, he wasn't even like he wasn't even 
the subject an of the eighth film. of the the whole frame, and the cop was very very small in the frame, and uh, the cop got very upset. And really, within within seconds, the cop was approaching them and pulling out his pepper spray. So I mean, they just. It's just the attitude. You know, you give a man a hammer and he's going to think everything's a nail. And this cop had pepper spray, so he decided that, well, he needed compliance, damn it. And when when kids don't obey, then they must be beaten or pepper sprayed in this case. And if you think for a second that cops aren't some uh, socio-political designation that's higher than you, I want you to try to imagine what's going to happen to you if you walk towards two police officers whom you think are doing something that is illegal with while pulling out your pepper spray. Pull out a You're weapon shot. and walk towards two cops and yeah. try to imagine what's going to happen to you. Right. Now, <laughs> try to imagine what would happen to you if you then did what those two cops would do if you walked towards them with a weapon. Like, you mean shoot you? I, I don't know what uh, you know, I'm letting the listener come up with their own story in their mind as to what's going to happen. Or, or start barking orders at the cops too while right, you cut your weapon out. Imagine for a second. I mean, who listening to my voice believes that these are civil servants? Who believes that they're their employees? Who believes that they must? They must believe it. I mean, the story out of Greenland, New Hampshire, uh, that we might talk about here in a little bit, with the cops being shot by an alleged drug dealer, there's all kinds of people that are posting comments online. Oh, the poor police officers. Our hearts go out to you. Prayers to you, police officers. And, you know, I'm sorry anybody got shot. I don't think that that's the right thing to do. But they were invading that man's home. So (laughs) there's all kinds of sympathy out there uh, for the police. There's no yeah, shortage sure. of it. I, I, you know, I don't. They can do no wrong. I, I, I feel when you hear the story of this police chief who, who was shot like was the day before his retirement, the week before, a week, his, something like that. I mean, it's a sad story. This guy thinks he's doing the right thing. He thinks he he's a paladin of justice, and it's hard to. Uh, you know, like I, I understand why people can be mad at him, and I can understand why people feel bad for him, and that kind of thing. But you really have to ask yourself: How many more lives are we going to throw after this war on drugs? How many more people, whether they're our friends or families, whatever side of this particular issue they're on, are we going to just throw their lives away in order to? To continue on with this failed war on drugs policy that we can see from places like Amsterdam and places like uh, uh, Portugal that uh, legalization or decriminalization will actually work to do what you what we want to have happen, whereas the Which war on drugs crime, has done addiction. nothing. It lowers dramatically crime and addiction when those things dramatically. Happen. I mean, you can see it; it's quantifiable. The war on drugs, all it does is cost money and bureaucrats. And then cost lives of those bureaucrats. By the way, that police chief, what do you think his wife's going to get for the rest of her life? Probably this pension, I would imagine. It's going to be a big chunk of change. He was killed on duty. It's not going to be just his pension. I mean, what about all the victims and stuff of the drug war besides the police officers that were killed? I mean, I feel, honestly, I feel even sorrier for them because they didn't sign up for any of this. The police officer did sign up for this. I, I understand where you're coming from. However, what... I'm referring to is the people that are concerned about the welfare of the cops. I know right. there, you know, there are they're some people there. that treat a cop's life. Oh, it's more important yep. than some other person's life. Absolutely. There, you know, when right. when police are shot on the du- on duty, they get, you know, at work, I should say, what do I say on duty when police are shot at work, they have big parades 
Police when, dog lives are more important than human, other human lives, Right, apparently. this story of the Greenland police chief, it's Greenland, New Hampshire, uh, this police chief made national news today. I heard it on the news uh, radio feed when I was waking up this morning. So it made he was a week before retirement. National headlines. But if you get shot during a police raid, that's not going to make national headlines. No. Nope. It's because he was a police chief. 855-450-FREE. The SACL CAI toll free line. You can take control of the airwaves here and bring up whatever's on your mind. It's Free Talk Live. 855-450-FREE. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. Are you looking for a concealed carry holster? Crossbreed Holsters is the home of the world-famous Super Tuck, the most comfortable concealed carry holster on the market today. Try one out and see how truly discreet and comfortable carrying concealed can be. And find out why we call it the ugliest holster you'll ever love. We are the standard others try to imitate. Get the original. Get your Super Tuck at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Again, that's CrossbreedHolsters.com. This is Free Talk Live. Toll-free number here, 855-453-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. We give you the features there on the house, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com, and those features include news updates. You can get signed up and... Follow us wherever, uh, you know, and whatever information is posted in the way you prefer. So we've got email, we've got Twitter, we've got Facebook. You choose. You can choose more than one if you'd like. They're all free over at news.freetalklive.com. That's where you can get signed up. That's news.freetalklive.com. You know, since we kind of got into it, let's jump. We'll go back to the school stories here in a little bit. But let's jump into this story about the police chief and several officers being shot. One of them shot to death. In a drug raid, I thought it was the police chief. That was the shot police to chief, okay. right, was shot to death uh, in a drug raid gone bad. Uh, of course, in my opinion, all drug raids are bad from the the get go, and sometimes they they do involve violence uh, on the part of the people that are defending their property. Uh, and I don't think violence is always, you know, I don't think violence is the right solution. But I also understand why people get that way. I mean. <laughs> They're getting. They're having their their freedom taken away from them. There, there's a team of armed home invaders coming into their home and disrupting their life with the intention of taking them and possibly putting them in a cage. They're not home invaders. They're people with special hats. Home invaders with special hats and badges. Uh, I mean, they're 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 home invaders. You, you've got somebody at gunpoint. Under you're, any other circumstance, they would be a home invader. You're in their home without their permission. You're a home invader. And that's what was happening on, I think it was, like, yeah, it was last night uh, when this went down. We were actually getting reports about it during the show off the air, but I didn't really want to report on it last night since we didn't know all of the details at, uh, at that time. And there are a number of uh, more details that have been revealed at this point. In fact, there's some information over at ladiesandkeen.com, but that, that report's relatively early on as well. Yeah, she posted it last night. I remember when she posted it. Mm-hmm. It was a, a good story you know, at the time, uh, and it has a lot of good opinion on what this means and the war on drugs and how if it weren't for the war on drugs that this police chief would be at home with his family he'd be preparing for his retirement and he would be uh, he would likely make it out of his uh, his elected office or whatever out of his chief's office without having uh, without, a scratch on him uh, you know without the war on drugs you have to wonder would this police chief have had a job in the first place i mean you know the yeah, war the on town drugs probably going to have a police chief 
my town doesn't have a police chief. Um, the, the the war on drugs started in the 70s. How many towns have uh, gotten police departments since then? What are police departments for? Uh, they're for, you know, mostly what they're doing is they're passing out tickets for speeders and people, you know, doing whatever outside of the realm of uh, driving properly. And secondarily, you would hope, you know, I think people want them to you know, d- diminish crime and that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, the war on drugs, when, when, if you're in neighborhoods where they're selling drugs out on the streets, you're probably living in a high crime area. But getting rid of the war on drugs would cause that not to happen. There are no criminals out on the street selling liquor, whereas they used to at some point. That's right. And that used they to be probably very, did very the dangerous. bad neighborhoods. Right. And uh, the, those liquor sales used to be very dangerous. And sometimes there were shootouts during the liquor sales that yep. had gone bad. And so what was happening here? Well, according to uh, various different news sources, this one is over at the Keene Sentinel. Excuse me, from the Portsmouth Herald. They're syndicating it from the the seacoast. Greenland, New Hampshire, not to be confused with Greenfield, Massachusetts, or Greenland, the uh, the country. Greenland, New Hampshire. It doesn't. I don't doubt it at all. New Hampshire is just lousy with uh, with names that are swiped from some other place. There's a Milan, New Hampshire. They probably call it Millen or something like that. But uh, I mean, there's there's a there's a Berlin, New Hampshire. They call it Berlin. Um, I mean, there's uh, Lebanon. They Isn't call that it because it's Lebanon. like New England and the settlers, and they just wanted to be remembered at home. I have Unoriginal. no idea why they came up with the names they came up with. Each one has its own. Uh, I, I know that the, the the story behind is it is it Salem, Oregon, or Portland, Portland, Oregon, Portland, Oregon. Okay, what about they, it? They had it, that there were two guys that founded it, and one wanted to name Boston, the other one wanted to name Portland after the places they were from. Oh, I see. I mean. Name it after your wife. Name it anything but coming up with the name of another city. I mean, I searched Manchester in every single state in New England. That's mm-hmm. six different states. And they each one came up with directions on, on MapQuest. I, or not MapQuest. So uh, there's Maps, a Manchester all in every single state. Every single state. Now, I, don't, I won't claim to know how big this Manchester is, but Google Maps would map it for me. So all six Manchester stops in New, in, uh, New England. Isn't Brattleboro, I know it's in Vermont, but isn't that the one place called Brattleboro and anywhere in the whole country it's not like there's any shortage of those uh there's one called hinnaker that uh it's it's thing in new hampshire is we're the only one in the world probably because they're in new hampshire and it's like oh who would have thought of that <laughs> you know, I mean, ian and i are from sarasota where's the other sarasota i there's mean there's other sarasotas no there's not really um, no there's not uh i'm from bradenton there's not another one of those either we're fact checking go, right. go right ahead <laughs> you don't think i've looked this up I, i'll take your word for it so Greenland, Super genius. I got the T-shirt on. As a matter of fact, he does. That's very humble. A shooter who uh, police say wounded four officers and killed police chief Michael Maloney was found dead in his Post Road home early this morning. New Hampshire Attorney General Michael Delaney Delaney announced that the bodies of Cullen Mutry, age 29, and an unidentified woman were discovered in the home by a police robot sent inside by a SWAT team. Details about their causes of death were not immediately released. Delaney said all the officers were part of the attorney general's drug task force, and they were attempting to gain entry to Mutry's house at about 6.30 on Thursday evening when shots were fired. Tactical officers who arrived shortly after tried to establish contact with Mutry and had a brief conversation with him, but communications broke down, and eventually officials decided to send the robot in at about 2 in the morning. Tactical teams. I'd like to point out the difference between a SWAT raid for a convicted murderer or killer or something like that and a drug raid. 
When it's a drug raid, there are 40,000, by the way, raids every year in the United States. Most of them are drug raids. Most of them are drug raids. And here's why. If you want to get a, you know, a, a, a sex offender or a killer out of a house, all you have to do is surround it and say, Ian, we know you're in there. Come on out with your hands up. And then you wait until he comes out with his hands up. Chances are good. Nobody's going to die. Every, all the cops can pile in behind the Bearcats so they're uh, safe from uh, stray bullets that might come out of the, the domicile. And everybody's fine. However, when it comes to a drug raid, if you say, Psh, Ian, we know you got a big bag of marijuana in there. Come on out with it in your hands and we'll spare your life. He'll go to the potty right. and he'll flush it down and they'll come out and be like, I, I what are you talking about? I've never smoked pot in my life. What? What? <laughs> I mean, that's a good way to sort of, I mean, if you believe in any of the state's laws, then that's a good way to judge whether or not they're good or bad laws. Do you have to invade people's privacy and be sneaky in order to catch them breaking a law? Because if that's the case, it's probably a stupid law. Absolutely. Hard to argue that. In this case, uh, as I understand it, they actually, and I don't know if it mentions this in this story, but early reports we're saying they were actually evacuating a certain radius around this uh, location. So, like, can you imagine the cops coming over to your home one night, pounding on your door? And, of course, if you're smart, you don't answer the door for the police. But if you answer the door for the police in this instance, they then tell you you're being evacuated because there's somebody who shot some of our buddies in a house, you know, a few houses down the, the street here. Oh, wait a and- second. You guys brought a firefight to my neighborhood? I mean, the, there weren't any bullets flying before you people showed up. Right, Mark, but we have to keep the streets safe from uh, from angel dust. What about my house? You're keeping full... You, you, there's lead flying at it because of you people. 855-450-FREE is the toll-free number. Actually, it wasn't uh, PCP that they ended up finding. Apparently, this guy was allegedly selling steroids, which makes the whole story even more ironic, considering <laughs> in some cases the cops use uh, that particular drug. 855-450-FREE. It's Free Talk Live. Do you have a product or service that you can sell to a national audience? Free Talk Live is a nationally syndicated radio program on more than 100 radio stations coast to coast. We've been named to Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list. That's the 100 most important radio talk shows in the nation thrice. And five times the best political podcast from podcastawards.com. You can have access to our more than 100 radio stations and our large and loyal podcast audience for less than $1,000 a month. Contact me, Mark, at freetalklive.com. Talk Live. Toll-free number here is 855-453, the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that are awaiting you there. Freetalklive.com features include the webcam. You can watch, listen, and interact with other Free Talk Live listeners because our chat room is built into the same page as the cam. Go to cam.freetalklive.com to do that. That's cam.freetalklive.com. Sharing with you a story out of our very own New Hampshire where it made national headlines this afternoon, this uh, this morning, as uh, a police chief has been gunned down one week prior to his retirement as uh, he was engaging in one last vice raid. He was raiding the resident of a one Cullen something or other, Cullen Muttry, age 29, who ended up uh, ostensibly offing himself and his girlfriend. It's not yet determined whether his girlfriend killed herself or was murdered by Cullen prior to him killing himself. It's not clear if it was a double homicide or a, uh, excuse me, a, a double suicide. suicide or a homicide suicide. Uh, but anyway, they're dead. And four cops have been shot. One cop, the chief, has been shot to death. 
and the others, I think that we'll, we can give you a rundown of what, what's going on with them here in a, in a short bit. But, you know, I, you, it really makes you wonder, why would the girlfriend commit suicide over this one? Um, you know, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, if she was the only one to come out of this alive, she probably wouldn't do any jail time. You don't think? I, and, unless the cops have saw her doing something that, you know, was, was clearly very damning. No, she might have been selling some of the, uh, the drugs he had. I, I, you know, so what? Well, I mean, usually when you sell drugs, they want to arrest you for it. Yeah, I, I, I suspect. You think she's going to get off because she's a girl? If if she if she was in the same house when the guy commits suicide, I think that she might very well get off. No, he was selling all the stuff. I mean, if you're the only one left alive, then you get to tell the story. Do you know what I mean? Not if they have uh, evidence of you selling drugs previous to this particular occasion. Yeah. I, I don't know if they have that of her, but my point being, you know, if they're living together and she's living there and the, he's selling drugs, she may have done some of the deals. A lot of people go to jail every single year without committing suicide for selling drugs, and they don't go for that long generally. So I'm going to take Murder, homicide, suicide. Su- uh, suicide. Could very well be. Either way, they're dead. And, uh, of course, there's a lot of people that are upset about this incident. Some are upset because the police got shot by someone. So, inevitably, there's going to be the anti-gun folks that are going to come out and say, See, if we didn't have guns, then uh, this would have never happened. And, of course, that's nonsense because we all know that if you make guns illegal, then only outlaws will have guns. And, of course, these people were outlaws. And the cops. Well, right. And how are you going to take people's guns away except through these types of raids and which... Police officers people are more likely to get shot because they're right. having more raids to well, collect guns from people. The gun laws really, really are intended to disarm the good folks. I mean, nobody thinks for a second that the criminals aren't going to have guns. Really, on the North American continent, how are they doing over in Great Britain where they've got an island that they can control? Um, here in the United States where there are more guns than there are human beings... Outlawing guns just isn't going to work. It's nuts. All it's going to do is take the average citizen who has a gun in order to right. protect themselves. It's going to prevent them from having Cullen it. Muttry, the 29-year-old drug dealer here in this case, selling steroids, uh, allegedly. This guy is not going to be stopped. By the way, he has violent history as well. This is not his first encounter with violence. So this guy's a thug, basically. You know, He's no winner, for sure. But he's got a history of violence. This guy's totally going to have access to firearms. He's a drug dealer. He's going to be able to hook up with uh, whatever he wants. I'm a convicted killer. I could have a gun by the end of the evening. Yeah. Certainly by tomorrow. I mean, pretty much you can buy him out of the newspaper. Right. So, uh, so of course, so you're going to have the anti-gun people coming out about this. And, and of course, the pro-police folks are all up in a tizzy. Oh, our heroic officers. Oh, it's terrible what's happened. And it is terrible that, you know, from the perspective that human beings' lives were taken. That's terrible because it didn't have to happen at all. If they hadn't gone in and done a home invasion against this man, if they just let him be and let whoever it was that was getting their steroids have their damn steroids, because they're going to have them anyway, trust me. Yeah, they're going to get them anyway. Uh, then these people would still be alive, the police chief would still be alive, and the four cops that were shot from the drug task force would be not shot, and probably they would be investigating real crimes because there would be no drug task force, and they would maybe be being detectives because they were all detectives that were shot, all of them. Hmm. Uh, they, uh, they would be being detectives on cases that actually mattered because this cop, this police chief, he died for nothing. Nothing. 
That's not an exaggeration. He, he died get, for nothing. He wanted to get this Colin character. Um, you know, he had stated that previously. So I guess he he got his man. They went down in a uh, this sort of poetic, uh, you know, bulleted bullet, uh, dead man. Two while dead he men. was alive, uh, the chief was dead that evening, and uh, they didn't find Cullen was dead until the, that morning. So the chief himself would not have known. It depends on uh, your religious views after that. I see what you're saying there. People just... Uh, mourning over this guy's death just because he was a police officer does a disservice to the whole idea of you know mourning over someone you don't mourn over someone because of just because of the role they their job that they play in society you should mourn over them because they're just a human because you knew them and you miss them or you know whatever the reason but to be like oh i'm sad because he's a cop and i just have this thing for cops that's not really legitimate reason to you know be upset they were talking about how their prayers were going out to the families of the police officers, but no one was uh, sending prayers to the family of Cullen Muttry. I mean, again, I'm not saying he was a good guy, but what about his family? They might be good people. Maybe they're disappointed in their son. I mean, maybe they wish he they could have he could have done something better with his life. But no, they'll pray for the police's families, uh, but not the. They've not got for the, the special haps. So there's those folks, of course, that are coming out and they're making a big deal about this. And then, of course, the correct perspective, the most uh, important perspective to put out there is the one that's been appearing at ladiesandkeen.com and also at freekeen.com, where our bloggers have been saying, hey, this is the war on drugs' fault. And how many more cops need to die before this insane war on drugs is going to end? How, How many more is it going to take? 1-855-450-3 one 450 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tactical teams arrived the, uh, during the evening yesterday and attempted to begin negotiations with the individuals inside the residence. They were able to initially gain contact, and then that conversation ended shortly thereafter. There was no contact until later when they sent a robot with a camera into the house. It found that Cullen and his girlfriend were dead as of uh, gunshot wounds, uh, from gunshot wounds. The Greenland Town Administrator announced the state was providing a debriefing team to assist the community during the aftermath of the tragedy. The central school is closed today and continues to be used as a staging area for multiple responding police officers. The area surrounding Muttry's home remains cordoned off this morning, and town halls become headquarters for dozens of media outlets covering the tragic story. Again, how many times does this happen when somebody who's not a cop gets shot to death in a drug raid? When well, the people they're raiding oh, get shot. Mean, yeah, the people raiding uh, get shot. Most people look at that as those people are criminals. But, you know, I mean, I, I, I just don't understand. Police officers generally don't even hit the top ten as far as most dangerous jobs. There are some years that they do. But, you know, what about the offshore fishermen? They get like one statue in the entire United States to them. But, you know, firefighters, cops, by the way. I'm a firefighter. Uh, military vets, you know, obviously military vets are not included in the in the, uh, the the numbers as far as these most dangerous jobs in the United States. Not a lot of uh, not a lot of deployments inside the United States. The uh, victim in this case, Colin Motri, also claimed to be a firefighter. <laughs> the fire chief, however, claimed he was not. Um, but anyway, the story here says that uh, town officials hugged each other at town hall early this morning, still stunned about the loss of Chief Maloney, 48 years old, who was scheduled to retire at age 48. There's after, the tragedy. After 12 years on the job, one news service reported he'd been shot in the head. A source told the Herald that Newmarket Detective uh, Sergeant Tara Lauren was sworn in as the new police chief, 
Then they go on to talk about the wounded officers. Uh, they're all detectives from different police departments. So they had uh, Dover, Newmarket, Rochester, cops coming in from going in deep. the surrounding areas. These are all the cops that are on the – a number of them, all of these cops that are, that are wounded were on the drug task force. So they were officers from different police departments who also kind of moonlight as drug task force officers. And so that's what they were there for in this other town. Why weren't they wearing bulletproof vests? That's well, they got shot in the head. Didn't a lot of them get shoot and shot in the they torso? They probably would still be taken to the hospital even if they yeah. were shot in the torso. Okay. 855-450-FREE. SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us here and uh, share your thoughts. 1-855-450-3733. Are police officers more important than the average person? Do they deserve all this special attention? It's Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Shop.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, get a great deal, and a portion of your purchase goes to benefit Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon via shop.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Toll-free number here, 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features you'll find there. They are waiting for you, and they're on the house. Unlike those other talk show hosts that want to charge you for accessing their sites, freetalklive.com is where you can go and get interactive there. On, again, for free, freetalklive.com. The Porcupine Freedom Festival is coming up here in just over two months from today. It's going to be June 18th is the first day, and June 24th will wrap it up. It's a week in the woods in New Hampshire with hundreds of other like-minded, liberty-oriented people. All kinds of uh, activities and fun uh, is planned. There's going to be everything from family uh, activities to adult parties. It's going to be an absolute blast. You want to go to Porkfest.com to learn more about the event. You can get registered there. Uh, Porkfest.com. Free Talk Live is going to be broadcasting live. There's going to be live music. Music, uh, musical performances, and again, camp-style camp activities throughout the week. The inevitable campfires and such. Don't forget the water slide. The water slide? Yeah. Now, is that an adult kind of water slide or like a kid's water it's, slide? Uh, you like know, a adultish. It's teenage sort of. Teenage so like a slip and slide? It's, it's a long, it, it's a real water slide. Yeah. And, yeah it's a uh, like going, one. like just laying on the ground, one of those things? No. No. Okay. So I don't know what you're talking about then. You've never gone over there. You've I guess not. Staggered your your inebriated butt oh, over there. Oh, you mean at the uh, the pool? No, past the pool. Yeah, I guess I I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have Can't to be like far. in one of the hotels, like at the top of one of the hotels to see it. At least for me, that's where I found it. Yep. Interesting. I was like, I saw pictures of this thing. Where is it? <laughs> so is there's the apparently corner. a water slide there as well. Um, and I told you about it last year too. Eight five five four fifty three. The SACL <laughs> CAI toll free line. Well, why would they not have the water slide at the pool? That doesn't make sense. What because kind of a water slide is that? It's, Aren't you supposed to slide into a pool when you're on a water slide? I think they want Unless it. it's a slip and slide, which you lay on the grass. Maybe they added it later, man. So where do you slide to? Just in the it's rocks? I mean, where, where, do they, where do you end up? Why don't you go and check it out? I guess I'll have to. Anyway, it's a lot of fun over Little at the pool. Porcupine Freedom Festival. Into. I see. So they have their, a different pool for the water slide, yes. is what you're saying. 
So uh, porkfest.com, P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T.com. But that's just a Rogers campground feature. You can go there any time time of year and the water slides there, right? Yes. Uh, but there's all kinds of special things that are going on for the Porcupine Freedom Festival that only happen once uh, per year. And that's the reason why you want to come out between the 18th and the 24th of June. The details are at porkfest.com. And we're talking about something that happened here in New Hampshire, made national news uh, last night with a police chief being shot to death and several officers also being shot, detectives on the so-called drug task force. Uh, They were all shot as they were attempting to raid the residence of uh, one man who is alleged to have sold steroids. And uh, all of them shot the man who was selling the steroids, ended up uh, ostensibly shooting himself and perhaps his girlfriend. Looks like a murder-suicide. As well. And uh, they shut. They locked down the surrounding area, kicking people out of their homes in the evening on Thursday night. <laughs> Can you imagine what that's like? <laughs> you know, somebody comes, <laughs> cop knocks on the door, and says, uh, "You're going to have to get out." What? Yeah. Or else what? Would they charge you with disorderly conduct? I would not mess with a police officer who was you know dealing with a situation where another cop was uh, had been shot i wouldn't answer the door they get away with anything at that point what what are they gonna do if you don't answer the door and they want to evacuate your neighborhood nothing i think that they're if if the lights are on the television's on and things like that they'll pound away they may very well throw something through the window in that particular instance i don't know about that but who knows who knows what kind of crazy stuff these guys will do well (laughs) they are out of control raiding people's homes at gunpoint, holding people hostage. By the way, they react just to ordinary things, calling for backup because someone's taillights out or something like that. Mm-hmm. I'd imagine Officer Down, it's like every cop in the state probably oh, yeah. shows Pretty up. Close. Oh, absolutely. They rolled out the Bearcat for this one, in fact, as I, as I understand the reports here. We're sharing, to you, uh, sharing with you some of the news from this uh, piece over at the Portsmouth Herald and, of course... Just the outpouring of support for the police is inevitable, and the, the the news media just lavishes them with attention and pretends as though they're so much more important uh, than the average person. As we continue here, they uh, go over the wounded officers, all of them in their early 30s, all of them detectives from various uh, police departments, gunshot wounds. Now, these guys are never never be the same. Um, you know, at 30 years old, your you know your your body's still functioning at the the high level that it did in your youth and you catch a bullet and you're never going to be the same again. Two and it's all men. for what? I mean, did these guys make a dent in the drug trade? No, of course not. In New not. Hampshire? It's ludicrous. Well, they might have stopped a few people from getting their hands on some drugs for a short period for of time. For a very short period of time. But before they created you know a it, job opening. Yeah, before you know it, somebody's going to fill that gap. So a couple of the officers, had uh, one had a gunshot wound to his arm, the other a gunshot wound to his shoulder. Both men were treated and released from the hospital in the area. And then another remained in intensive care with a gunshot wound to the chest. And surgery was anticipated Thursday night. Just you'd think he would uh, have been wearing a, a bulletproof vest, yeah. Murphy also had surgery in the ICU, uh, so both men are expected to survive. Uh, they go on to talk about how they're extending their thoughts to the police officers, and this is the attorney genital who's saying this. He says, I do want to extend my thoughts and prayers to the families and relatives and loved ones of the police officer who has been killed and the four police officers who have been injured, and I ask all of you to keep them in your prayers, according to the top cop in New Hampshire. You know, I don't want to make it seem like I'm, like I, I'm not happy that any of these people got shot by any stretch of the imagination. But are I, you surprised? What? That they got shot. At, I, I am surprised that they got shot. Very rarely do police officers get shot in drug raids. But I think that, A, it was pointless that 
I, I and I'm not willing to. I'm not unwilling to stand out and say, you know, hey, the the emperor has no no clothes. These men died for nothing. That that man died for nothing. These men were shot for nothing. And secondly, why is it that their job? is the one that we stand up and we extol people for having done. I mean, these guys are paid really good wages. They work 20 years. They go on generally to work for another government agency, double dip in the pension pension market. They do pretty darn good. If they're getting their thanks, they've got the, you know, if they want thanks, they've got it. They've got it in the form of paychecks. Now, this Mutri character, the guy that uh, was in the home, the guy who ostensibly was defending himself when these armed home invaders uh, calling themselves the police came in and attacked him and his girlfriend. Uh, he yeah, And by the way, we know we have no idea what it was like in that home because the, the story is there's plenty of scary stories. as hell. You got yeah. guys climbing in your windows. Who knows stuff. what is how do you know that it's cops? Right. I mean, if you're a drug dealer, you could ex- you can expect other drug users and dealers to want to take your stuff. That's not uncommon That's for point. dealers to be robbed. And they sometimes they wear cop gear. So the thing that hasn't actually been outed yet, at least not in this news coverage, and this is a pretty extensive story, it doesn't say whether they actually did find drugs last night. Now, Mutri has a history of assaults and steroid possession. I heard about the steroids. I thought that meant he had steroids in the home. At this point, we don't know whether there were actually any steroids in You'd the home. You'd think they would mention that little Yeah, they would fact. definitely say something if they found drugs or anything, unless it was just a, such a piddly amount that it was embarrassing to report on. So we don't know whether or not there were steroids there yet. And if you've heard otherwise, please let us know at 855-450-FREE. But Tammy Sullivan, who lives near the suspect's home, said she heard gunshots at around 6 o'clock and saw police officers run from the house. Ambulances arrived on the scene, and she said she continued to hear gunfire after they arrived. Sullivan said that gunshots sounded as if they were from an automatic weapon. Police on the scene included several from other uh, varieties of police departments around the the area, the Bearcat armored vehicle arrived on the scene at 7 p.m., uh, well after the <laughs> right. gunfire. And uh, so, yes, this guy has a history of arrests. He's definitely a dangerous dude, and he's ostensibly sold uh, steroids in the past. It's hard to feel sorry for somebody who's a scumbag, uh, but I don't think that he should have been put into that position. The, the fact that he fired on police doesn't mean that he was selling drugs right now and you know the fact that they didn't report on drugs in the home really disturbs me and usually uh, Allie they'll mention the small amount of drugs just to give you kind of that feel of ah he just sold out right you know that there's drugs in the house this is a druggie you know druggies have drugs so we we were the had the right guy we just didn't get him at the right time Hmm. one of the neighbors Jason McKenzie uh, says that it's he shocked and upset saying that I can't believe there's something in that house that's worth killing someone for drugs sure he said but I don't think it's worth taking a human life now was he saying that from the perspective of Mutri or the perspective of the police the cops didn't take a human life in they this would have though instance. Oh, they would uh, have yeah. if they had the chance oh, it, it happens all the time yeah and they would have been able to sleep that night too so there you go. Yet another example of another police raid with dead cops, with a dead cop, the police chief in this particular instance. Cops in the hospital still being treated, intensive care unit in, uh, in one particular case. And all for what? Please, if you think this was important, if you think that the cops are doing the right thing, I really want to hear from you. I know you exist. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. I was having a discussion with one of those people on the Free Keen Facebook page about his just completely ignorant viewpoint. 
where he refuses to take under consideration any facts, like, you know, the fact that drug abuse is down by half in Portugal after 10 years of drug decriminalization there, the fact that uh, former cops and law enforcement against prohibition are opposed to this insane war on drugs for very, very good reasons. No, nobody who's in favor of the war on drugs wants to hear that they're wrong. 855-450-FREE. It's Free Talk Live. We wouldn't be where we are without our amplifiers. Their $3 per month helps us spread Free Talk Live and gets them access to perks at amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, launching into the third hour of the program. Here with you tonight, it's Ian. Allie. And Mark. Our number is 855-450-FREE, the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. We give you the features there for free, so enjoy those. And you can control the content of the site as well. You find something online that you think is interesting, you want to share it. With other uh, listeners of this program, you can submit it as show prep over at freetalklive.com, and then others get to vote whether they like or dislike what you've suggested, and the most voted up will make it to the front page and the top of the website. So head on over and get interactive at freetalklive.com. We can talk more about the drug war, also crazy government school stories coming up, plus your calls. Let's go to Matthew listening in Texas. You're on Free Talk Live. Matthew. Matthew in Texas. Going once. Hey, how's it going? Hey, go ahead with your thoughts. Um, me and a friend were actually just talking about the an issue that happened just here in Austin with two deaths. It's very similar to what y'all guys are talking about, um, except for anything relating to drugs or home raids. But um, he was just telling me that um, a cab driver took a bullet for a stripper over in Austin, because that's where he drives. Um, and there's like... No mention of that in any of the news shows or, you know, that's not recognized and that's not celebrated as any sort of any sort of thing worth any congratulations. So he risked his life for another human being, but that's no that's nothing worth talking about for the mainstream media because she was a stripper and he was a cabbie, whereas the Uh police. Well, that's a whole other story. Right. And we don't like to talk about strippers and maybe there's a borderline between cab drivers and potential terrorists or you know a lot of uh, yeah. things could be implied i think the cab drivers are you know probably not considered the uh, the, the cream of societal crop i drove a cab for a, for a while and you know there's i i could say i was in situations that i found to be less than desirable um so you know i, I feel he bad me for that a lot about his job what's that he <laughs> deals with a lot of the um questionable parts of society absolutely what do you think about your time as a cab driver? What do I think about it? Yeah. Oh, I think somebody had to pay the mortgage, and uh, you know that that person apparently was me. So I went you out. Wouldn't want to do it again, though. Would I? Would I do it again? Mm-hmm. I would do anything in order to get to, to work to to take care of my family. Sure. Oh, okay. Well, I'm just wondering if you consider it something enjoyable or interesting or. Anything. You certainly meet interesting people. I think that uh, I think you know, I would not do it as uh, I wouldn't desire it um, as a job. You know, I mean, it, it doesn't okay. interest me. But I think the time of day really mattered for me. Um, I managed to mm-hmm. if I if I could get the right shift, it really worked for me. If I you know couldn't, uh, I didn't like the idea of driving around drunks and and people at night. It really bothered me. Uh, whereas that's exactly that's exactly the same sentiment my friend has. Yeah. Um, but, 
I managed to get on during the day, and then uh, because I would hand out uh, tour books and tell people about the things that we drove by in town, I'd lived there my whole life. You know, pretty soon I was getting requested from from the sort of the the richer neighborhoods wanting to go to the airport and oh. come back and things like that. So I made a little little you know niche for myself. That is good stuff, Matthew. Um, anything else you want but, to share? Uh, I was just I was just going on that as a tangent, um, but I was wanting to finish up on that comparison um, that happened. But also shortly, I'm not sure within the same day or, but it was really close on the same timeline. Uh, officer was killed. And uh, just to mention, he was an ex-Marine. But, of course, now all sorts of roadways get shut down. Cops get to ignore all sorts of traffic laws. Everybody else has to wait and acknowledge and celebrate um, the passing of this officer. And I think the implications from that, <laughs> um, I was have, we were on this subject for quite some time, and it kind of upset me, whereas normally before I listened to Free Talk Live, it probably I would have probably just let it pass. And I would just be like, yeah, you know, sure, why not? They do a dangerous job. They deserve the credit that they get or maybe a little bit extra more than the average person. But after listening to the show, after listening to your show and seeing a more principled position uh, next to the state, because I haven't really developed any strict opinions about or I'm still in the process of change, maybe, so to speak. I think we all Um, are. Yeah, <laughs> I th- it's probably best that you're always in a state of change, maybe. But I don't think you can avoid um, it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I definitely, the, I definitely see where you're coming from, and I appreciate the perspective. Um, definitely. Uh, but the most, the thing that really irritates me about it is the trying to, because I like to put things into metaphor a lot. But these guys are almost treated like noblemen whenever these circumstances are given like that, and not only that. Um, Maybe, it, but it's it's one of those things. This is whenever they get all this special treatment for their funerals or what have you. That's like one. It's a very subtle thing that helps reinforce that. Yep. Um, They're special. That importance that people place on yep. the cops. Sure and enough. The reason, it's it's the reinforced all over the place from the. From the funerals, from the coverage in the media, from the the people that are just kind of in town and locals, it's just all over the place. It's just so prolific, and it's it's a total double double standard. You know, it, it would be one thing if the police actually were heroes, like if they really were out right. there, like uh, collaring rapists and murderers, and that well, was they do what they, do that, but the, not really. I mean, they mostly focus on pulling people over for nonsense and doing drug raids. Fact is, most murders go completely unsolved. The supermajority of murders go unsolved by the police so it's not really the case that they're out there spending time on those uh, those things in comparison Didn't to what we they looked are that spending up that time most on. murders did not go unsolved did we look that up? Yeah, I think we looked that yeah, up. Yeah, it was one like eighty percent of them didn't go on. Or excuse me, eighty percent were unsolved, I'm as I recall. And what? And aren't there like a huge percentage of them that never go investigated in some places? Like a third of them, they just don't just even murders. Yeah, yeah where they, oh, in right. certain places, they just don't even investigate it. I wish I had more information. When, the one time that I was robbed at uh, Subway, whenever I worked there, um, and this was my first encounter with uh, any sort of crime of that level, or even the cops and what they do at that level. But that was a horrible experience. We were robbed by two guys um, after the store was closed at midnight, and the cops didn't do any investigation. In fact, like while they were there doing the investigation, they're like, "Oh, please, could you not touch that? That that could be evidence and everything." That had it was nothing. We already told them 
the guys had masks and gloves and there was going to be no evidence or, you know, there's not going to be no fingerprints to find, but they only had one fat, fat ass guy on the job. And <laughs> he was just kind of like looking around wondering, Oh, uh, I really don't want to be here. And it was a horrible experience. And also wow. we got put to a lie detector test because we got put <laughs> as the prime suspects of, uh, the whole event. Yeah, because, I imagine. Uh, Who asked you to take the lie detector test? Was it uh, the company? Uh, no, it was a detective. Well, I would have told him to go pound sand. Uh, well, I wasn't, you know, this is, of course, before that time that I started listening yeah. to Free Talk Live. And even before I started maybe getting a little bit more rebellious against the city. Lie detectors aren't even so. admissible in court because they're so inaccurate. Right, right, right. Oh, oh my, my results came up um, uh, undecided or something like mm. there was there was nothing to you're shifty well, of course i was being real nervous because they were asking yeah. questions like <laughs> I mean, have you smoked have you done any kind of drugs in the past uh some odd hours Because that has something that's, to do with uh whether or not the place was robbed boy that's relevant hey so uh, uh-huh. so you basically your experience was pretty negative with these cops and they don't see appear to be heroes to you and matthew thanks for the call i appreciate hearing from you tonight uh-huh. 855-450-FREE that's the SACL cai toll free line so as usual not a good idea to talk to the police uh, there's nothing really that can can benefit you in doing that. In fact, if the police are coming around banging on your door trying to evacuate you because somebody got shot a few houses down, uh, then you know you can always not answer the door for them. I really don't think anything good comes from talking to the police. Generally, I mean I'm friendly with uh, with them here. Like I'll I'll chat them up as long as I don't feel like they're conducting an investigation. But if they start asking me questions, I'll I'll, I'll say, Are you conducting an investigation? <laughs> yeah, I. Generally, I would think uh, talking to police officers is a bad idea. I'm not. Uh, I, I do not think wholly that it's a bad idea, and that there's a time. There's times for uh, you know decorum. Right. Like I saw one of them on the street the other day, and I just had a little chat with him. But I kind of initiated that. If they come to your house and are banging on your door, generally not a good time to talk to them. I think don't talk to them if you're afraid, because they can smell yeah, fear. Absolutely. 855-450-FREE, SACL CAI toll-free line. You can take control of the airwaves. You can bring up what you want, more about the war on drugs, crazy school stories, or whatever's on your mind. Coming up, Free Talk Live. People ask me, Tim, why did you start VerbalSurgery.com? Well, it's easy. I started making these podcasts to make you feel better right now. That's right. From the tops of the Himalayas to the bottom of the deepest seas. That's right. These broadcasts go out to everywhere on the planet and most importantly, deep inside of your brain to make you feel better right now. And isn't that what it's all about? VerbalSurgery.com. Check it out today. This is Free Talk Live. Dial in toll-free and bring up anything you want at 855-453. That number is brought to you by SACL CAI. SACL CAI is a company that handles accounts receivable. You've got a business. Tell you what, accounts receivable, probably not a lot of fun for you. SACL CAI can do it. They can do it in a fashion that, uh, well, you know, treats your customers with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients, too. It's SACL CAI. You can see their banner at freetalklive.com. It's the top one on the right-hand side of the page. 
Speaking of freetalklive.com, that's where you can go to learn how to listen in to the show. Besides your local uh, talk radio station, you can also find three different uh, live streams that we have available to you around the clock. Uh, 24-7, the latest episode of Free Talk Live is airing in broadband, midband, and narrowband formats, so different size uh, streams for different internet connections. You can go to listen.freetalklive.com to get tuned in there. Get the full list of our radio stations on both AM and FM across the country, over 100 of them. Our satellite listening choices, including XM Satellite Radio, where we are on two different XM channels. And also the KU Band free-to-air channel, the webcam, listen lines that allow you to call from any phone that can dial long distance and listen that way as well. Plenty of ways to get Free Talk Live into your ears over at listen.freetalklive.com. And we'll continue taking your phone calls. Uh, We'll go ladies first to Helen listening in Ithaca to WNYY. Hello, Helen. Hi. Good evening. Um, What's on your mind? I'm going to turn this thing down really quickly. Always a good idea. Otherwise, things get very confusing. All right. Okay. No problem. Um, all right. So I, I had this bizarre question about animal rights from a libertarian perspective. This is tough. And, uh, what pro- well, yeah, what provoked this thing, this questioning, was um, today I learned, um, I, I guess I can drop another talk radio person's name. I sure. Guess, huh? All right. Tom Hartman. Okay. You know I like Tom. I think yeah. he does a great show. Yeah. And um, so anyhow, he, you know, I haven't checked the facts here, but... Supposedly, um, well, yeah, I think, you know, the, the Republican nominee, um, he had took a, this is old news, uh, he oh. took a, whatever, six-hour car trip in, in Clement. Which weather. nominee? The He's likely Rom- nominee. Romney. Oh, okay. He's, He's not a nominee yet, yeah. right? Ron Paul's still in the race. Well, yeah, he is still. But, gotcha. You know, likely to be the, uh, and, and the actually, nominee. Actually, Ron Paul, he's going to be here at Cornell um Next week, great. It'll probably be a big draw. Yeah, don't miss it if you can. Uh, yeah. If you can not avoid. Well, I'm, I'm. I think I've been referred to as Helen the Socialist. So on. <laughs> well, so I, I, I you probably France, aren't real happy with Obama either. Right. Well, it, whatever. Nothing's perfect. So, um, so anyhow, uh, he drove his dog. I uh, did. You hear that story? Drove yes, his dog six hours from. Yeah. Yes. What's the story? He Shame drove his dog. What? He drove he drove his dog from Massachusetts to somewhere in Canada, where his father had a, uh, a vacation home. And the dog was um, it was freezing cold, and the dog was on top of the car in a little kennel carrier thing, you know. Oh, wow. And um, and he had his five sons in the back, and he had his Louis Vuitton uh, luggage in the back. But for some reason, he thought the Luggage was more important than, than the, the dog. dog. So, um, That's pretty sick. So well, the dog was pooping, pooping all over the windows, and his sons are going, "Daddy, Daddy, Seamus is pooping." Anyhow, so then, so then he stopped at a gas station. He hosed down the dog. He hosed down the car, and then he just put the dog back up there, wet my God. and cold. And then, as soon as he got to Canada, you know, when he took the dog out to bring him into the house. This is according to his sons. Um, if the dog wasn't cold enough before, he hoses the dog down <laughs> in freezing yeah. cold weather. So that's the story. Yep. Makes things worse. Yeah, and the dog the dog ran away. They never saw him again. Wow. It was an Irish setter named Seamus. Okay, so then just that's old news. That was like weeks ago. But just today, uh, one of his campaign managers was. I'm from originally from Chicago. You know, so I'm from Illinois. You know, so. His one of his campaign managers was 
arrested and convicted, and this is really disgusting because I am a big animal lover. That's how I ended up in this town. Um, that he, they had killed, barbecued, and ate a dog in Illinois. And Who's that? I'm just like, this is one of the one of according to Tom Hartman. Okay, I didn't check the facts, so I hope he did. And this was just on the news today, and I'm like. I'm like, what is wrong with this person, <laughs> you know? And you're a vegetarian, um, right, I assume? Um, sort of. I eat a little bit. I, I buy meat for my animals, and I, I eat a little. I make, usually use it to make, like, the, the sauce or the au jus or whatever you want to call it. Okay. But I, my animals eat most of it. And this is where we get into the uh, the real sort of difficult, uh, you know, situation with animal rights. I mean, to me, this story sounds incredibly cruel um, of, you know, putting the dog on top of the car. However, in many countries, people eat dogs. I mean, you know, what's the yeah, difference between eating a dog and, and they eat eating cats, a cow? And they eat everything. Yeah, uh, you know, the, really, what's the operable difference between eating a cow and eating a dog? I mean, dogs are cuter. That dog, dogs are certainly people like dogs more. I mean, I, I, I have never eaten a dog that I know of, but um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you never know for sure. I mean, anybody could pass off whatever. But meat I get they your question: to. the operable difference the, being the it's op- an animal and it's being slaughtered to be eaten, right? And so, you know, if animals have rights like you and I have rights, then you can't eat them. You can't use any of their products for anything. You can't use them for testing for anything. Yeah, we should all be vegans then. Right. Well, you know, that's what it comes down to. And one, and then one wonders what happens to the animals that exist today. Because if the milk cows don't get milked, because vegans don't eat, don't drink milk, their their udders are going to rupture. I mean, we have cows that have been bred for being milk cows now, yeah. and they're they're not. I, I, that was one of my jobs when I was a student at Cornell. I I worked at the dairy the. TNR, which is Training and Research Center yeah. with I, dairy cows. I love the good the smell of a, a dairy dairy yeah. in the morning. Um, <laughs> and chickens, uh, you know, where where are they? What are they going to do with all those eggs? I mean, these chickens are bred to, to eat well, eggs. You're getting down to kind of some of the fundamental issues behind uh, the idea of animal rights and whether they have rights or not. And uh, these are important questions to ask. So I think it's also important to point out that uh, whether animals have rights or not, I don't think they do, because I think in order to have rights, you have to be able to reciprocate and respect the rights of others. But that doesn't mean I don't think they should be protected. It doesn't mean I don't think they should be taken care of. It doesn't mean I don't think they should be treated well. And it certainly doesn't mean I don't think people like Mitt Romney, who are abusing their animals, uh, uh, shouldn't be ostracized. I mean, people like that need to be outed. Yeah, the the word should be out. This is a character defect that you treat animals like that, you know. Oh yeah, it's a huge red flag. So somebody that somebody that can't treat an animal humanely is a huge red flag to being a psychopath, in my opinion. Yeah. Right. Can I tell a short joke real quick? Go for it. All right. So tomorrow I'm going to this activism thing all day long. Friends of mine registered me in this thing. I'm not even quite sure who's sponsoring it, but anyhow. But uh, so they have this dog that is a very political, champagne-colored cocker spaniel. Really good dog. He's 12 years old, but everyone thinks he's a puppy. He's a really good dog. So, um, so I was joking with them, and I said, "Okay, so we got permission to bring the dog." Okay, good. And I'm like, "Okay, so he's going. Maybe he could be like the first um, canine socialist <laughs> mayor of Ithaca." You know, and he couldn't do any so worse. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> and he, and he, yeah. And he, okay, thanks. So then he, then, I, then he said. Um, um, and he'd be like, free dog food for everyone. And then I said, but maybe he'd be a libertarian. And so he'd be like, everyone can poop wherever they want. 
Um, no, no, no. I think you've gotten something wrong about the idea of property rights. But thanks, Helen, for the call. Appreciate hearing from you. I love Cocker Spaniels. I think they're very attractive animals. 855-450-FREE. The SACL CAI toll-free line. More coming up. Your thoughts on animal rights, whatever you want. Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. Talk Live. Toll free number here for you, 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. It is, again, toll free. Brought to you by SACL CAI. It's 855-453. And join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features await you there. They are free for you. And those features include the webcam. You can watch, you can listen, you can interact with other Free Talk Live listeners over at cam.freetalklive.com. Cam.freetalklive.com. Oh, I should turn your microphone on. Sorry about that, Mark. <laughs> Are you way. looking for camping, hunting, shooting, or survival gear? ManVentureOutpost.com's got everything you need. They've got uh, all the best name brands, and they've got them at some of the best rates you're going to be able to find on the Internet. Before you buy anything that has to do with, uh, well, the, the outdoor enthusiast, whatever they might want, check out ManVentureOutpost.com. They've got knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, tactical flashlights, fish finders, boating equipment, and much more. You can get additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. It's coupon code FTL ManVentureOutpost.com. So we can continue taking your phone calls and we'll do that. But I wanted to dig a little further into the idea of uh, animal rights because Helen had called and she'd asked that question. And I think it's a pretty important conversation that, you know, deserves a little bit more uh, digging, shall we say. And so she was calling to talk about, I guess, an incident with Mitt Romney, which happened – apparently it did not happen recently, but it happened no. a long time ago. Long time ago. Uh, with a dog being strapped to the top yeah. of a car. It's a terrible idea to have told this In uh, freezing cold weather as they were driving somewhere in New England, and he and his family, and just – then they hosed down the dog because it was crapping on top of the car, probably. I hear it was like running down. so like the dog was in such distress that it was its its bowels had loosened. Right. Yeah, this is this is a signal to you uh, <laughs> driving the car that something's wrong up there. And uh, so instead of, you know, showing the dog some compassion or whatever, he sprays it down at a gas station and then puts it back up on top of the car, apparently. Blow dry it. And continues. No, no, it was sprayed down with water, hosed down. I know. You're going to put it back up and blow dry it. That's the joke. Just making it clear. Uh, So, yeah. You don't know what kind of container this was, but... I can't imagine doggy, any of them. Doggy travel thing container. Right, I'm thing. thinking it's one of those uh, crates. airline crates. Yeah. But can you imagine if it was face forward, what yeah. kind of full-on onslaught right. of 70 mile an hour wind it was yeah. whipping through this thing? Either way, it's going to be cold up there. <laughs> Poor and dog's lips are out. So why? So the idea is that he needed room for his luggage, so he put the dog on top that of the car the instead? Right. And this guy wasn't not wealthy at this point yeah that's what i'm wondering it's like why would i mean usually when you see wealthy people with their animals they're all like buddy buddy with them and they take really good care of them like better care than they take of their children sometimes or you know it's it gets 
I guess it depends it's on the one person. Of those, sure, it's one of those uh, stereotypes, yeah. I wonder if he just felt like, well, we have to have the dog because it looks good if we have some kind of dog or yeah. family pet. And so I don't really like dogs. But... Kids like dogs. <laughs> Apparently, he doesn't really like dogs because uh, anyone who likes dogs probably wouldn't do what he did to that dog. And it makes you wonder about the kids, too. I mean, they were telling this story while their dad's running for president, which says to me that they don't have any concept as to how the regular world views their animals, like a part of the family. Well, yeah, right. You probably bizarre. you probably treat animals the way you they were treated by your parents growing up. I think that that to some extent that's true, but I just I have a difficult time imagining you know somebody loving their kids and treating their kids well, and then having a dog and then not loving the kid dog and loving you know I just don't, I don't get it. It's weird. It's just some some sort of bizarre uh, version of uh, of abuse. You know, maybe they just don't feel comfortable abusing their kids, but they want to abuse something, so they abuse the the family dog. I don't think that he even wanted to abuse it. I just don't think he considers it. Uh, you know, clearly he doesn't well, consider it as a value valuable as the the luggage. I know that according ju- to the story. I mean, I don't know. Julia is not here to tell the story tonight, but I happen to know that her dad, when they were growing up, was abusive toward their dog. He was verbally abusive towards his kids, but would never hit them. But he would hit the dog. And so basically he would take out all of his anger from whatever he was angry about on the family dog. And that dog ended up pretty effed up uh, as a result of uh, of all that. I've heard the stories too. So, you know, who knows? Maybe uh, Mitt Romney's a real, you know, verbal abuser of his family and uh, just takes his physical abuse out on the animals. Well, it sounds more like probably passive aggressiveness if he's just, you know, the way he's being abusive in this manner isn't by going after the dog and hitting it, but mm-hmm. just by ignoring it. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't pay a lot enough attention to his kids, but I don't know. So what do you do about somebody who's abusing animals in the, you know, liberty-oriented society in which we'd all like to see happen at some point? Because I don't think the solution is to lock people into jail cells. I don't think that tends to be the right way to approach a situation. I think that, you know, as Helen mentioned, let's get the word out about this person. Let's let's spread Right. The video of him abusing his animal or whatever, you know, some proof. It's, it'd be nice to have proof. You don't just want to go out and accuse people of things they may not have necessarily done. Uh, but, you know, if you've got proof that this person's a sicko and is, you know, tying his dog up in the backyard and beating it or doing who knows what to it, then that's entirely appropriate to out that person and to uh, to shame that person for what they've done because it's wrong. Right. And but it's it's also wrong to put people in cages as well. Well, boycotting people is a great way to sort of send a message. I mean, for the longest, for three years, I didn't eat meat sort of in protest of slaughterhouses. Mm-hmm. And the way I didn't like the way that they were run. And I, I still don't like the way it's subsidized. And so it results in poor conditions for the animals. I still don't like that. But after coming to the conclusion that animals, you know, I can't justify saying that they have rights and everything and Honestly, my sustenance is more important than, you know, well, there's always grass fed uh, beef and things like that. There's, yeah. a, you know, they're there. We buy from a local, you know, local farms and, and get our meat from cows that walked on grass and, and as opposed to sitting in a pen all day. Yeah. And chickens that uh, get out and things like right, that. And these are ways the marketplace has responded to consumer demand of people saying, hey, these uh, mass manufacturing processes are very disturbing to us. We'd prefer you not engage in those. And some companies heard that yep. and uh, they, you know, would highlight their their safety procedures or their humane treatment of the animals or the, the more humane killing methods, etc. But, you know, the question of 
if it's wrong to kill animals or if it's wrong to hurt animals, where do you draw that line? That's an important question to ask in this conversation because some people believe that any right. keeping of animals to one person's is abuse. Humane slaughtering is another person's uh, abject abuse. Right. I mean, to some people, it's abuse to just simply have an animal, to have yes. a pet. Even though you're taking good care of it, it's an abusive thing because they believe that pet is supposed to be out in nature and that you shouldn't be able to have them at all. So, so who, who wonder, is deciding this? I wonder what is it if I let the cat back in, you know, because I let the cat out, mm-hmm. you know, should I not let him back in? Is it abuse to let the cat back in? If it wants to come in, you mean? Oh, yeah. He'll yeah. tear up. The, he's going to tear up the weather stripping <laughs> if I don't uh, let him in, by the way. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Some people think that if you have an endangered species on your property, that all of a sudden your property rights don't matter anymore. Right. So where do you draw the line? That's an important question to ask when you start having this conversation about animal rights. I think animals should be treated humanely. I really do. But at the same time, I also think that we shouldn't be you know, putting people in cages who do things that we might disagree with because then you go down this slippery slope of, before you know it, you're putting somebody in a cage for simply trying to feed their family. So it's a really difficult uh, question to answer and one that should not be answered by the government. It should not be answered by a monopoly on violence. It should be answered individually by each person in the marketplace deciding where to spend their consumer dollars, who to support. You know, I don't buy puppy mill puppies. If I'm going to get a dog, I'm going to go to the, you know, the Humane Society and get a dog that way. But that doesn't mean that I want to outlaw somebody from going to the, the store and getting some purebred as wrong as I think uh, as a lot of the, that process is. It's none of ultimately not my business what those people are doing. Well, I always wonder about those puppy mill situations. Just because you refuse to buy a, pup, a puppy from a puppy mill doesn't mean that the puppies that are currently at that puppy mill are going to, you know, something magically nice is going to happen to them. You know, those dogs... No, I mean, they're likely to die early because of uh, inbreeding and other, uh, you know, problems that result from that. So, I mean, uh, you know, are, do you attempt to rescue the animal in that sense or do you... No, because it supports their business model. I'd I mean, rather they go out of business. The best thing you can do is create, I don't know, social consciousness and basically put awareness out there because, you know, if puppy mills are stigmatized and everything and if someone says... They're pretty, like, pretty stigmatized. I, yeah. oh, I, got, I got a new puppy and they told me it was from a puppy mill, I'd be kind of like, oh, that's that's a little but messed up. But nobody says that. Nobody, yeah, well, they won't use that term. They... <laughs> Define probably, puppy mill, right? Right, that's true. <laughs> For the most part, puppy mills are what supplies the puppies, like the stores, right? As I understand it. I, I think that's what that's what people that are anti-puppy mill would want you to believe, certainly. 855-450-3733. Thanks for the uh, fart sound effect, Mark. That was interesting. What you thought that it's was? Dubstep. <laughs> dubstep. All right, more coming up here in moments. <laughs> Just enough time for you and your thoughts here. Coming up next in the remaining moments of Free Talk Live at 855-450-FREE. You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752. This is Free Talk Live. Moments remain. Enough time for you and your thoughts. If you dial in now at 855-453. Toll-free number brought to you by SACL CAI 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Here with you tonight, it's Ian. Allie. And Mark. And we continue here with you and your thoughts. Let's go to Patrick, listening in Colorado. Patrick, you're on Free Talk Live. 
Hey guys, um, I, I, I've got something I wanted to throw at you and see what your opinion was on, on a topic that, <clears throat> excuse me, doesn't seem like it's really talked about. All right, throw it out there. And that is that is the uh, the nature and uh, let, uh, jurisdiction of the federal government. Okay. And according to what I've looked into, the uh, Supreme Court and other things says that, says that the federal government's actually a foreign corporation in respect as, as respect to the states and the people. And their jurisdiction basically is only in the ten mile square of Washington D.C. Yeah, I've heard all these rumors too. It doesn't really what do that? anything though. I mean, there's no real way you can apply that, is there? Well, they've got the guns. They've got the power. That's right. So no. Yeah, try try going into one of their courtrooms and telling them that. I can't that imagine the Supreme Court has ruled the, the the United States government is a foreign corporation whose jurisdiction only uh, is in Washington D.C. Yeah, I don't I don't know if there's any evidence well, that it's a foreign corporation. I don't know what that means, but it certainly is a corporation. Certainly a corporation. We know that it's a corporation, and its jurisdiction is wherever they send people with guns. As you pointed out, yes, they do have guns, and they'll do what they want. So ultimately, all these are nothing more than interesting legal theories that have no real bearing on how these people behave. At least that's been my observation. So it's not worth putting any energy into as far as what would you do more? What would you do with that knowledge? I mean, if I, it were true, are you going to convince the average American who grew up uh, saying the Pledge of Allegiance that this is true? I, I you know, it just doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like it's got legs. Well, yeah, you're probably right. Ultimately, I mean, ultimately, no what's to, it going to, to do for you? It. Like what, what? What value does the information have? Not much. It's just really. a conspiracy theory. Well, I think that it would have value if it were true, and you could get other people to be convinced of it. They will say, "Oh no, we will not have foreign masters. These ma- we will only have masters that are are of us." Um, you know, the, the right, look are- at all the hubbub about Obama and his birth certificate. Yeah. Like people, it matters whether we're that way in Kenya or not. I just thought of something. Yes. You're familiar with uh, Sheriff Richard Mack and Prince. Sure. The Prince. Uh, Richard Mack is a liberty, case. somewhat liberty-oriented uh, sheriff, as I understand it. Right, and yeah. he sued the federal government and uh, and the, took it to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court basically ruled that the federal government doesn't have any right to tell sheriffs and other state officials that they have to maintain federal guidelines. And I think the issue there was. Uh, Using federal uh, background checks to uh, do, you know, to buy guns. Sure, they can't force them to, but if the states want to get money from the feds, then they'll do whatever they're told. It's basically right, how it works. Sense. So, uh, I mean, so to some extent, yes, the the state governments are opting in to all this federal control by the fact that the feds are dangling this fiat currency in front of them. And, of course, they're, they're government people, so they want to get as much money in as they, uh, as they possibly can. But ultimately, the, the ideas about jurisdiction and whether or not government bureaucrats have or, or don't have it, it comes to nothing uh, in my experience. Because I've actually tried to you know, implement some of this stuff in the courtroom, not the stuff of the federal government, but just the idea that, hey, I don't consent. Uh, so therefore, you don't have jurisdiction over me or like, what is the state? What is the city of Keene? You know, is the city of Keene 
the the land? If so, how can the land have any jurisdiction over me? If uh, is the city of Keene a a corporation? Is it a body politic? If so, then yeah. how could I be? How can it have jurisdiction over me when I haven't consented to it? I haven't uh, voluntarily chosen to become part of that uh, that body politic. And the fact is, none of it matters. You can tell a judge all you want about how you don't consent and how they don't have jurisdiction. They can't prove that they have jurisdiction because they can't prove that the state actually exists because it doesn't. It's nothing more than a, a legal fiction. Uh, but none of it matters yeah. because, as you said, they have guns and they have men with uh, guns in cages that they're willing to put you in if they don't agree with your particular political philosophy. So ultimately, the only thing I think that's going to make a difference in setting us more free is to have people who love the ideas of liberty make the move together, like, for instance, here in New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, and then start to stand up for, for liberty. If enough people say you don't have jurisdiction and refuse to consent, then maybe they really won't have jurisdiction anymore if they can't shake enough money and obedience out of people. But ultimately, the, the real question is, what will it take for people to stop obeying? I mean, because as long as people keep going along with uh, the program, as long as they keep doing what they're told, as long as they keep paying the arbitrary amounts that are demanded of them, then nothing will really change. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm doing here in uh, northern Colorado. I'm using Mark Stevens' uh, uh, approach to dealing with the traffic court and stuff like that. How's that working out? Te- teach teach people to do that, and I think if if, if enough people do that, eventually we make a dent in the court system, we can change it. So, What my experience is, is that uh, his method can... You know, really confuse the the the, the lawyer in types there in the, in the uh, in the courtroom to the point that they may very well let you go. But once they get hip to it, then they'll just roll steamroll right over you. That's been my experience, and I have put and I like Mark Stevens, and I've I put, oh, yeah. I've, I've got him on my radio network on LRN.FM, so I'm definitely a fan of Mark and, and the work that he does, and I think it's I think his book is a real eye opener. Whether or not the stuff works in court is another question, and, and even Mark will tell you that sometimes it'll just really upset them and they'll put you in a cage. So you never yeah. know what you're going to get uh, well, when you're I'll dealing find with out these tyrants. Next <laughs> are you, what are you going to court for traffic uh, summons? Uh, for a failure to stop at a stop sign. Yeah. Do they let you bring cameras into courts in Colorado? Well, it depends. In the little town of Longmont, where I'm at, they do not let anything electronic, no phones, no recording devices, no cameras, nothing. But, you know, 10 miles up the road in Boulder, sure, you can bring anything you want in there. Interesting. Inconsistencies. They try to pretend like it's all one system that operates under some just authority when they just randomly choose what rules are going to apply. Whatever they want. Yeah, you know, I wish yeah. you good luck out there, but uh, to me, it seems like if you want to, if you want to have an effect, you got to get where other people are doing those same similar things. And I think you'd probably have a bigger effect where other Mark Stevens, you know, educated people or other people who are willing to try new things in court are at. And I think we're seeing that movement grow here uh, in New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. But call us and let us know how it goes, will you? I will. And uh, Patrick, thanks for the call. And you know, never know, you never know what's going to happen. Drop into the court beforehand, or give them a call and ask them if there are any you know is there any hoops you can jump through to bring a camera into the courtroom? Because being able to shine a light on these proceedings can really help people who want to see what happens when you try these techniques. Because a lot of it is it seems very mysterious and disconnected until you actually get to try it yourself. Which, of course, is a very you know intimidating situation unless you've been in court a number of times uh, in the past. Thanks for the call, Patrick. I appreciate hearing from you. Uh, and by the way, that was Patrick calling from Boulder. And I've got a little bit of news out of Boulder, or calling from near Boulder. 
Uh, coming up, 420 is uh, approximately a week away, and across the country, a number of people will be celebrating 420 by consuming cannabis in a public manner in various different locations. And over the years, we've talked about how at Boulder University, they have probably one of the most epic 420s that anyone has ever experienced. Last year, uh, or in recent years, their 420 Pot Festival has drawn up to 10,000 people onto the University of Colorado Boulder campus. This is huge. Yeah. And the the photos are just incredible. And there's usually wide group shots of just huge amounts of people in an open area and just kind of this haze of smoke that is wafting, <laughs> uh, wafting above it. And what are they doing this time around? Well, the University of Colorado, according to KDVR.com, has announced that it will close their entire Boulder campus to visitors on April 20th to try and quash the annual mass marijuana smokeout. Students, faculty, and staff will still be allowed on campus, but, quote, unauthorized non-affiliates, unquote, that means you and I, members of the public that aren't paying to, uh, to go there, well, at least not paying directly, we're all paying through our taxes, but that doesn't matter, uh, will not be allowed. So according to uh, the Boulder's chancellor, he says, the gathering disrupts teaching and research right in the heart of the campus. The size of the crowd has become unmanageable, limits our faculty, staff, and students from getting to class, entering buildings, and doing their basic work. It needs to end. Student staff, faculty, and CU Boulder affiliates will need their blue, uh, their buff one ID cards, one card IDs to get on in and around the campus. According to the school, those cited for trespassing could be uh, spending up to six months in jail and a seven hundred and fifty dollar fine. Six months in jail. Beyond me. that, well, I'm facing a year in jail for trespass, so that's a common trespass situation. Uh, Norlin Quad, which is where the smokeout is typically held, will also be closed to everyone including students. Wow. So they are really cracking down at uh, the Boulder campus. They have had enough of this open marijuana smoking. I mean, let's keep all the kids in their dorm room smoking pot because we want to pretend like it doesn't go on. Uh, so they're going to keep they're going to physically have security preventing people from going on to the uh, the quad, this open area where this event actually happens mm. every year. 10,000 people. How are they going to hold all those people back from one rule? They're going to start threatening them as soon as they show up with uh, arrest for test. Cops. cops will be all over the place, I imagine, coming up on Friday. We'll tell you more about it then. See you tomorrow night. FreeTalkLive.com. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as three bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. All right. It's, it's another edition of the Edgington Post show with, uh, with Mark Edge. And I got with me today Will McBride from the Tax Foundation. Will, you there? Yes, I am. Excellent. Now, I got a one of your, your emails here, and it looks like it's just full of fun tax facts. What's funner than tax facts? <laughs> I can't imagine much else. Uh, you know, I mean, dif- different, <laughs> different facts about theft. So, uh, All right. so could you rattle a couple of them off for me? Okay. Well, this is based on uh, uh, the latest data from the IRS uh, to, from tax year 2010. Uh, well... Let's see. There's 143 million uh, 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 tax returns that were filed. So, 143 million uh, tax returns filed. More than 300 million people in the United States. Some of those people. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah, exactly. So, what's going on there is some of those returns are uh, households and married couples. Some of them. 
Uh, some, some of them, and then some, and then some folks just don't file. Yeah, how many do you think that is? Uh, well, we we have uh, some idea, not from the IRS because they're not they don't keep track of the total population, but uh, some uh, some folks have put together an estimate, um, sort of extrapolated what would happen if everyone filed, basically, um, and it is I don't have the number offhand, but it, it is. Um, it goes into the calculation of the non-payers, which I can discuss here. Okay. Here next. Um, it does go into so, calculation of the non-payers? Okay. Yes. So so the non-payers is a group that uh, is basically the folks that don't pay any federal income tax. And it is, uh, in, according to this IRS data, um, uh, that is $58 million of these uh, 143 million returns. Returns, okay. Yes. So that that is a ratio, the ratio there is 41%. And I think that's a little, um, a little uh, lower or uh, better or worse. I don't even know what, uh, what descriptor to use here. Um, I would say that that's uh, fewer non-payers than I have seen in the past. Is, is that what uh, well, your experience right, is? Well, right, it ticked down ju- just marginally from last year. Last year was 42%. Okay. Or the prior tax year, um, but it is um, historically this is uh, actually it it hasn't been this high since 1940. Okay, um, and uh, so this is it's been ticking generally uh, uh, ticking up every year okay. since 1940, and particularly over the last uh, 10 to 15 years with the expansion of refundable tax credits, which I'll get into in a second. But So hold um, on. Let, me, just, let me make sure I understand what up means. <laughs> so there have been more and more non-payers every year since like 1940? Yes, and not okay. just the number uh, as the population has grown, but also the share of the population. As a percentage. As, right. right, as a okay. percentage. So, um, so like it used to be 20% or so actually in the 60s. Uh, so it's doubled since then. Wow. Um, okay. And so that's just counting the, the filers, those people that file with the IRS. Do you have any now, idea, I, Will, how many prosecutions the uh, the IRS brings against people um, every year? Because, I, I mean, there's no way they're out there prosecuting the tens of millions of people who, uh, who, who apparently aren't paying. Oh, no, this is not illegal. No, no. Yeah, I, this is the funny part. But some, of them, legal. Some, some of them just don't file. Uh, some folks just don't file because they don't need to. Um, and, you know, they, or, you know, generally because they don't need to, because they don't make enough income um, and, and they don't expect to make enough income to matter, that sort of thing. Okay. Um, because they're the standard exemption and whatnot, uh, most folks at the very, the very uh, bottom of the income spectrum don't, uh, don't have any tax liability. Okay. Are they legally um, allowed to do that? I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know what the laws are. Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, uh, so anyway, so that so when you fill in the non-filers, um, which some organizations do, uh, Tax Policy Center, Brookings, um, the, uh, the, the Joint Committee on Taxation, they sort of extrapolate out what would happen if everyone filed. Okay. And they find that this this ratio is much bigger. It's closer to fifty percent. So joint tax finds that it's fifty one percent. Okay. And uh, so, so so likewise, that's a historic high. So fifty one percent of what people file? Yeah, basically. Okay. 
No, 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 sorry, sorry, 51% of Americans uh, do not pay federal income tax. That's what that means. Okay, 51% of Americans just don't pay any federal income tax. That includes non-filers and people who file but don't pay. Correct. Now, 41% file and and don't pay. Is that correct? uh, That's correct. And it's not just don't pay because they don't feel like it. It's because the IRS tells them, hey, you've locked out. You have no tax liability this year. It's happened happened to plenty plenty of my returns, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Right. I I was a grad student for five years, and uh, very often I had uh, pretty close to zero tax liability. Um. Yeah. So what? But what is the what's the big thing that's pushing people off the tax rolls over these last uh, few decades? It's the growth of refundable tax credits. Yes. So particularly, we've got like the earned income tax credit. That's the biggest one. That's a big. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, and then you got the child credit. That's the second biggest one. Oh, huh. So it's the so for it's instance, the incentive for getting your your uh, child one of those uh, Social Security slave numbers. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose. But both of these uh, credits have been expanded uh, in stages over the last uh, couple of decades. Right. And so, so now the, so the earned income tax credit is, is the refundable portion, um, meaning the part, that, um, the part of this tax credit that is sent out uh, by the IRS even when you owe no taxes. Right. Okay. So the sort of spending... Uh, element of this credit stealth welfare uh, yes exactly where the irs becomes a, a spending agency um the 26 million filers take that earned income tax credit and for a total amount of uh, 56 billion uh, in checks sent from the irs 56 billion okay gotcha 56 billion that's out of the so, um Against the nine hundred and forty-five billion that uh, people actually pay in federal income tax, you got it. Okay. Um, and so then the the child credit is, is somewhat smaller uh, in in the amount of money. It's twenty-seven billion from the IRS, um, and uh, twenty-one million take that refundable portion. So um, now, who is? Uh, now, of the people that are, I guess, of Americans, 50% are paying taxes. What percentage is each per- person, each, uh, you know, sort of section paying? Um, you know, the, the lower earners versus the upper earners. How does that go? Uh, well, it's sort of another indication of the progressivity of the tax code. This growth of the nonpayers indicates that the, that the tax burden has been shifting more and more to high-income earners. And so, yes, we can also see that with the effective tax rate of different um, income groups. So, say, look at those folks that make less than 50000 They actually represent 96% of these non-payers. Okay. Um, so 4% of people who make less than 50000 pay income tax. Uh, that is correct. Okay. So, um, so explain to me how somebody who makes less than 50000 pays Income tax. I mean, what 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 are the scenarios that go in behind that? Do they uh, do they get money taken out of their check and then just not file, or is it everybody who's making forty nine thousand to fifty thousand? Those are the ones that pay. I mean, I, I I just don't know. Yeah, it is pretty. It's just it's generally because the earned income tax credit is so huge. It is generally uh, keyed to income. So, um, uh, 
higher and higher uh, share of folks uh, pay, uh, have, have a, a tax liability um, as income rises, as you get you know, closer to 50000 mm-hmm. Um And so, uh, so, so, but as a result, this sort of effective tax rate uh, on average for all folks making less than 50000 is 3.5%. Wow. Yeah, very small amount. Okay, so then alternatively, in the other the other side of the the income spectrum, those the effective tax rate for those making more than fifty thousand is fourteen point one percent. I thought people who made big incomes paid like thirty percent. Right, that, but that's fifty thousand is not such a big income. No, not least. that big, not for a family mm-hmm. certainly. Yeah, so the big incomes uh, we can say. Uh, Look at the what what people pay uh, in the bracket two hundred fifty thousand and above, and that uh, effective tax rate is twenty three point four percent. So, what are those write offs or something? I mean, how are they getting? I, I would you would assume that the federal government was really going after those folks. I mean, do they just have a lot of uh, credits in some way? Are they buying green jets? Well, what's going on there at that level uh, is capital gains, the preferential rate on uh, investment income, capital gains, and dividends, So, mm-hmm. which is what see. we're seeing here. With the, This is what's driving this whole discussion about the Buffett rule and yes. Mitt Romney's tax return Romney's and tax returns, yada, yada. So. Yeah, it's can, investors. Gotcha. We, have a, we have a preferential rate of 15% on investment income. Can you explain to me the, um, the, the, the pro – I mean, I, I guess I've got the con. Nobody likes the idea that, uh, that the super wealthy like Mitt Romney, who has a couple, whose wife has a couple of Cadillacs, <laughs> nobody likes the idea that uh, um, you know, he's, getting, he's only paying 10 or 15% versus whatever it is that we, the, the poor working schlebs, making less than $50,000, where we, we only make 3.5%. No, wait. Um, you know, whatever. They don't like the idea that he's paying such a low percentage. Can you explain to me what the reason that uh, the, your politicians have decided that there's a lower rate for c- capital gains? Sure. It's not just politicians. I mean, politicians luckily don't decide these things they by don't? themselves. Okay. Uh, they have had input from economists over the years, and uh, economists have, have prevailed generally in this country and, and in almost every country. There's a preferential rate for investment income. The reasons are twofold. So there's, there's the, the sort of economic growth argument that uh, if you tax investment uh, at, at uh, punitive rates, you're going to hurt long-term economic growth, you hurt uh, productivity growth, you hurt innovation, um, uh, all the things that lead to long-term economic growth. So then there's the, the sort of moral argument that uh, this tax is a, is a double tax in that uh, it's, there's actually multiple layers of tax here. But uh, So the tax on dividends, let's say, is... Um, is taxed first as, as corporate profits, right? right? And then whatever's left over, the after-tax corporate profits, are either retained as earnings or the distributed shareholders as dividends. Makes then sense. taxed once again, once again at the 15%, right? So when you combine this, uh, this rate, um, the dividend rate plus uh, the corporate tax rate, which is extremely high, it's uh, 35% of the federal level, uh, that's actually the highest rate in the uh, developed world. 
uh, you get um, you get a combined rate of it doesn't quite add up because of you know, what's going on, but it's it's about a forty five percent rate. Hmm. So and and the United States just just recently uh, got the title from Japan of highest corporate tax rate in the world, right? That's right. Uh, that was April first. What did Japan do in order to? I mean, you know, what it does—it does really doesn't make any sense that uh, some that a nation, a, um, a, a an organization that claims the monopoly privilege on the use of violence in a given landmass would say to itself, "Let's tax less." What happened there? Uh, well, they they'd actually planned to do it last year in Japan, okay. um, uh, because they were for eight years they had the highest uh, corporate rate, slightly higher than us. Um, basically, we were both at about 40% combined right. uh, at the federal and the, and the uh, state and local level. Um, they were just marginally higher than us, and they had planned to lower it last year, but uh, then the, um, the uh, tsunami happened and the nuclear disaster there. Uh, so they, uh, they figured that they needed to, to keep it around for one more year, and, but that was, that was in the works for a long time. Got it. All right. So, if folks want to uh, find out more of these uh, facts about uh, what's going on in the uh, the world of the IRS, you know, and this is the season that people are uh, thinking about those things. Um, how can they get a hold of the Tax Foundation? Well, you can find this information at taxfoundation.org. Taxfoundation.org. Anything else about the uh, the the new and improved IRS code you want to tell us about? Well, there's some uh, scary numbers regarding uh, just how complex it is, and and uh, how no, how true. how uh, you know as people are scratching their head this weekend trying to fill out the forms and whatnot. Maybe you can uh, take uh, solace, I suppose, in the fact that uh, we're all suffering together. So there is um, uh, the IRS estimates that it takes seven billion hours to uh, fill out all these tax forms. What about the Fourteenth Amendment, where it says that uh, the government shall shall not have involuntary servitude? Yeah, um, yeah. Unfortunately, also in the Constitution, there's the right uh, to uh, for Congress to tax. So, yeah, that's the problem. It'd but, be one thing um, to reach in my pocket and pay a tax, like they, you know, I I think that one could claim, say, a sales tax. Not that I'm adv- not that I'm advocating for a VAT or anything like that. Um, is you know that there's not the servitude aspect, but you know the 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 it's the filling out of those forms. My wife must spend forty hours a year doing it. Oh yeah, if she's doing it by hand, I mean, most so the the IRS this is this is the IRS's taxpayer advocate, which estimates this this uh, the time it takes every year, and um, they have said that the advent of uh, TurboTax and software uh, applications has greatly. Um, reduced what would otherwise be a, a much a much larger. Figure. She is using those programs. It still takes that long. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. When you have your own business, it takes it takes a long time. That is horrible. Yeah. Uh, so one one more scary number: the tax code is now three point eight million words long. Can you give us some kind of concept as to how big that is? Ten times bigger than the Bible, and there's no good news. <laughs> I stole that from somebody. I, I think that was Don Don Nichols, uh, who was a senator back in the 90s. That's really funny. Excellent. Yeah. Will McBride, thanks for the interview. Sure, thank you. And I hope folks will get a hold of you there at uh, taxfoundation.org.
Yes. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye bye. Available now four new songs from Raja Mojo. Raja Mojo. That's R A J A M O J O. Raja Mojo. Call it democracy. Raja Mojo. Everybody knows the game is rich. The poor stay poor, the rich stay rich. Four new songs from Raja Mojo. Buy them today at Amazon, iTunes, Napster, and at a discount at CDBaby.com.